The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ridercat. You can find me at Ridercat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound effects you have heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Just the B, the R, the O, the O, A, L-Y-N is the place where I stay. Coming soon, Black Star. Um, although they're, they're about due for another album, aren't they? They put one out. <laughs> Wait, did they? They put, they put, yeah, they one, put out? one out. Was it an exclusive release on like some... Like some, like through some non-streaming thing, like non, you know, like they didn't put it out on one of the on the main streaming services. I don't know if it's out on the main streaming streaming services yet. That's right. worth checking. Because I knew they were working on it, but I didn't know that they had put it out somewhere. Okay. Yeah, they have. Okay, I'm happy. That, that's remember. Now I'm gonna. Now you're gonna make me look while you go through <laughs> the uh, the plugs. You're so, welcome. Co-hosting from Brooklyn, the borough of kings, folks. Indeed. Uh, and you can find this uh, here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network at CSPN.us. Do it today. Actually, I'm about to do something that's going to, I know it's going to freak out some audio people, but right. I know it's going to freak out some audio people, but. All right, checks out. Great. Uh, and you can also find this on your podcast, Prudential Place of Choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, speaking of, and the Coastal the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and give us all the five-star reviews. Yeah. Uh, you can also find us um, uh, stri- uh, blah, 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 blah. you can also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time on the Click Nation's YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Nation. And twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to click like and subscribe and uh, make sure to hit the notification button so you know when we are on live like we are now. Indeed. And shout out to anybody who is uh, in the audience, uh, whether you're lurking or, um, you know, speaking. What's up, uh, Benji Games 2? Appreciate you being here as always. Or, yeah. Absolutely. That. And for anyone that's that's curious, that Blackstar album is titled No Fear of Time and it's only available on Luminary. What the heck is Luminary? <laughs> Luminary uh, is a subscription service that, you know, uh, the way I remember it is um, 
you know, used to be a, an exclusive place for podcasts. So that's where they decided to distribute their new album. Oh, is that supposed to be like, um, um, I'm thinking about another place where you can, but that's, uh, that's like, um, never mind. Um, it's probably not because there's a, because I remember there's a place that I know people that, that still put, put stuff out on that you can be like, Hey, you can pay this much. You can pay what you want for this. You know, gotcha, or, gotcha. Or not, but yeah, no, I, I know that Luminary is, uh, you know, you can access original shows there. So, but, um, but yeah, no, I've I've heard of it. I remember hearing about that. I just I, I'm not a subscriber, so right. I still have yet to hear Black Star's new album. Oh, oh well, that's another t- uh, another show for another <laughs> for another. Yeah, it's another topic for another show. Yes, indeed. And with that, um, we are actually about to go and go uh, into a spoiler free slash light recap of this week's uh star wars and or episode eight nine excuse me i was about to say it it's episode nine yes episode nine hello there so yeah this um episode is called nobody's listening which I don't know. I can think of about two or three different uh, rap songs <laughs> that you could kind of put along with that, but we will not go into that because, again, this is not a music podcast. Maybe one, maybe one day. <laughs> I mean, listen, we intersperse a lot of our interests, you know, during, you know, uh, you know, uh, we intersperse topics of interest for ourselves throughout this podcast, and we've been doing it for our almost 500 episode run, folks. This is true, and it usually almost always goes back into music somehow, some way, some way, some way. We almost always have some music reference in here. We but anyway, getting back funky, to Andor episode nine, funky fly shit like every single day. Anyway, um. <laughs> Because guess what? Andor's locked up. <laughs> exactly. See there? <laughs> Two for the price of one, I tell you. It's already there. Um, and wasn't even trying. Um, but yeah, so basically we still lo- Andor is still locked up. Um, some things are shifting in that in that in that mode, though. But we also get some updates with uh other people outside of uh what's what's going on with uh Cassian. We see what's going on with uh poor Bix. Um, four picks. Yeah, and um, that was a tough scene. Kind of was, although kind of made me feel something. But that's, that's, we're not going to talk about that. Um, Damn! Stop. Let me stop. Um, Damn! But um, but uh, it's a sneak wait. attack. I know, right? Um. Also, the uh, the Inquisitor Deidre, whose last name uh, last name is escaping me at the moment, uh, her now creeper, the the dude Cy- um, Cyrus Cyrus, whatever his freaking name, the dude I want something Cyril. bad to happen Cyril. to, Cyril, yeah, Cyril, Cyril. Yes. yo, Cyril who eats cereal, yes, right? exactly. So check this, yo, what you know? Shout out to uh, 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 the Ringiverse. You know, I, I thought this when I was watching it and I was listening to the podcast during the commute today, you know, their, their, their instant reactions. And I wanted to, uh, you know, like I agreed with them wholeheartedly because I thought about this. Mm. Cyril literally cops to being a stalker. Yes. He literally. 
literally cops to it says exactly what a stalker is doing what you know what he 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 was doing which is literally stalking this lady and i was just like i I, you know like as soon as he said i was like i just got the the heebie-jeebies i got the heebie-jeebies i'm like you have no idea what you're doing dude no he absolutely knows what he's doing but he doesn't seem to care it's just like because she even sat there and was like i'm i am isb dude i could have your ass arrested what the fuck no, she didn't say the last part, but still. Craziness. <laughs> craziness, man. But also, there are some people that are like that in this world, actually. So that's a, that's a sad state of affairs. You know, um, like as soon as it started to get like weirdly uh, romantic, I was like, yo, dude, for real? nothing romantic about that. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like he started to express like weirdly romantic right. feelings. I was like, dude, seriously? Right. Like you, yeah, you did not read the room on this one. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, oh, I'm like, my God. I'm like, just hit him. Like, hit him. Blast him. Send somebody over. Just do something, woman. Come on. Like, she's like, just, just like and, you, and and that's the bad part about it because like you could almost see it was like okay like she clearly didn't like it but at the same time she's like she's kind of thinking about it you think like, yeah especially in that next scene after that which we won't get necessarily get it to when she was supposed to go and well the next scene when she was supposed to go interrogate the the person they had caught mm. and she was like no it was like wait she's thinking about dude isn't she oh god <laughs> so but you know we'll see if if anything comes uh, of that but yeah that whole scene was like dude really <laughs> take that Mm-mm. down 10 notches craziness so but uh, uh but like i said it, it i this is still going to feel like he's going to get something of what he wants right so cereal who part. eats cereal right cereal yeah. who eats cereal seems to be you know it's some you know what there there's a i don't know if this is news to everyone it was news to us today uh, where I, you know, where, where just prior to the show, Roddy Cat and I were discussing a bit, uh, you know, some some articles that I had seen and I shared it with Roddy Cat and it was news to him that there is going to be. And this is something, folks, you know, we've been doing the show for a long time, but we definitely lose track of some of the news and obviously we lose track of some of the comic book stories we read. But I think we it sort of slipped our minds that there's going to be an Andor season two. And what we what we discovered is that, you know, this story may not reach the Rogue One period until the end of the second season. So we are in this final, say, three episode arc after this episode. So we don't anticipate getting anywhere close to the rogue one time period so it seems like we're going to be getting you know a slightly more drawn out story so cyril and his serial is definitely going to be sticking around probably into the second season maybe unless they get rid of him in the, by the end of the season it's good they it's might. very well happen it could very well happen they might we will see that but is my the, hope but, but, <laughs> yeah right I mean, you know, he's definitely developing into the character that nobody wants to follow, but seems to be uh, a character they're setting up for advancement and or mm-hmm. development. Right. Uh, I wanted to add before we really moved on from uh, the the episode. There is a reveal here of a familial relationship between yes. two characters that was heretofore unknown to us. 
Right. And I wasn't sure if that was like, at first I wasn't uh, sure if that was an actual relation or was that something that was kind of, that was kind of made up to, to keep them, keep them talking, but it actually seems like now that they are actually, they seem to be actually family. Right. So, which I guess makes a whole lot of sense in this case, you know? Yeah. Um, given if, if, if you think about who the characters are and you know, what they've been doing. So, um, I guess the only thing we don't necessarily have in that is how, they got into that situation or how they got into where they are now. But I guess with that part doesn't necessarily matter um, or whether they plan on getting to it. I feel like we're also getting to a point that um, we're, we're basically getting to the point of. Now, I guess we still got a good ways for that because this is before no, a new hope. Because I was thinking, because there was a certain part with uh, Mon Mothma um, that seemed to suggest that it was going to go the way of a certain dialogue in A New Hope. But we still are good ways away from that, I think. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know for, for, um, from this point. So, But it seemed like it was like, it just clearly was like, well, this is where that's going, you know? Uh, with what's been going on with... Uh, a part of her life. And also I'm going to say it here. I've said it on Twitter. And if I haven't said it before, um, I, and I probably have said it again, uh, my Mothman's husband looks like a dirt bag. Will Forte. Oh no, he does. He just does. And I don't like him either, but I think that's, that's, uh, that's also personal. I think that's so, intended, right? Yes. I think that's intended. Mm-hmm. So mission accomplished on that one. <laughs> just like, pretty much. Pretty screw much. you dirt bag. Uh, Will Forte. Anywho, um, that uh, be- oh dang. Ben, uh, ben just picked up some books but we'll talk about them later um sure one of which i actually had intended on checking right. anyway one um we touch on before we before we move on and i actually i i, I just re- you know like i literally was just uh closing up my instagram feed and i remembered there is something i wanted to share okay um that i that i obtained this past week in but you know like after the last episode okay so um, I needed to step away for a second to go grab it, but I wanted to also mention Andy Serkis's character has mm. been a revelation in this because he plays such a he plays such a a, a, a straight character that mm. we're not used to. And he also right? has a revelation in this episode, <laughs> right? He definitely does, and it's because of you know, uh, let's just say the anticipation that he had was dashed what he thought was yeah what he thought was the case with uh with with his um situation is not the case exactly like i like i'm keeping it super vague for anyone who has not yet watched this or even a start if you have not started it you don't even realize but we've already talked about uh andor being locked up and they won't let him out so you can kind of figure out again. There's the music reference. Mm-hmm. You can kind of figure out what we're referring to here. But at the end of the day, what you need to know is that once this episode ends, things have changed for uh, Andy Circus's character. Um, what's his name? Oh, uh, like Kino. Kino. Yeah, there we go. I was about to say Kino or something, but yeah. Kino. Right. 
So once, you know, that that's the, the episode actually ends with kind of a great little exchange that really sets the stage for the last three episodes of this season. Right. But also his delivery felt like was like, wait, did you did you did you go back to um, Lord of the Rings for that delivery? Because that kind of what it feels like. <laughs> a little, a little. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, a little. Yeah. A little. So, but, uh, but that was either way. Well, it wasn't it was exactly good. my precious. But no, yeah. no, 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 no. But, but in the same world it, uh, of a delivery like that would have been in. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, Andor still great. Uh, so it's, it's starting to ramp up to, uh, to something. Well, right. to, to something we have, uh, that we suspected last weekend, the last week was going to happen or that I suspected was going to start happening this weekend. I guess technically kind of is. Like right, it's the very it, yeah, it's the initiation of the plan, right? You know, because there's a little bit of prep, right. you know, like a, a little bit of uh, drafting of a plan, let's say here in this episode. But now we're really going to get into the, you know, and it seems like, you know, based on what we learned that, uh, based upon the fact that we learned that there's going to be a season two. Right, so they're not compressing the story. In it, they're they are not compressing the story in the sense that they're not rushing through these last three episodes right. to get to Rogue One. So now we have a better idea of what to expect over these last three episodes. So, uh, you know, we have a better idea of what to expect, you know, going forward. So right. I wanted to just step away very quickly. I know that uh, I don't know if Radicat has anything more to add on Andor. No, I'll, I'll why you're gone out. I'm just going to go grab. I'm literally just taking a few steps to grab something because I want I don't want to uh wait until the very end and then forget to uh to bring it up. So I'm going to step it. away very quickly. Um while he's doing that, I um hmm, let's see there we go. I am going to set up for the next section actually because uh we're going to get into uh the comic books of the week. Um I was Going to start actually while we're still on movies and TV was was going to start Bad Batch, but it didn't get a chance to um, for some odd reason. Uh, even though I know I know Agent Seventy and I talked about it last night, um, but yeah, we were not broadcasting last night, folks. It was an right. unscheduled test run last night. Right? Yeah, OBS updates kind of warrant it nowadays. So, <laughs> so we figured we'd get that out of the way. Um, but that right, and it said, still caused. I was about to say, and it still caused some delays tonight. Yeah, just a little bit, um, which was weird. But I, I, they may be ironed out, unless it's something that's going to keep happening or, or until. But we'll let's see. hope not, folks. Yeah. let's but hope not. That being the case, we'll we'll go into um, the comic books of the week. And did you you have your? Yes, I am good to go. So here comes our transition into our comic book reviews of the week. Starting with Tiger Division number one of five. So this is the first issue of a five-issue limited series that is written by Emily Kim with art by Creasley, a personal acquaintance of yours truly, Agent underscore 70. Colors are by Yen Nitro, and letters are by VCs Ariana uh, Maher. 
This is the first issue, though not the first appearance, of Tiger Division as uh, as we've come to know them, a superhero group of Koreans who first appeared in the Jed McKay written Taskmaster limited series. And this is their first team solo. You know, it's hard to say solo book as a team, but this is their first featured uh, uh, title appearance. Well, no, the solo appearance checks out because, yes, the last couple of appearances were in other people's book. Even as a team, uh, was uh, um, them operating as a team uh, in a fashion was that Black Cat uh, annual, I believe, which was also written by Jet McKay. So, yeah, this is right. just them by themselves as opposed to you know, kind of being side characters in somebody else's book. So the, what you said checks out. All righty. Um, but yeah, I actually is a bunch of people making a solo appearance. That's all, you know, it's their lead. It's their first lead appearance. Let's say that's the better way to put it. Right. Um, we start off with uh, an introduction to the team members, some of which we have seen, actually probably most of which we have seen before. Now that I think about it, although one or two of them did not seem familiar from the last two, uh, times we saw them. But then again, it has also been a while since the last, since we've seen, uh, the team. Um, one member of the team, we, we, while we do get to see them in their, in their normal form, we don't get to see them, uh, in their, uh, superhero form, let's say. Right. Um, right. The self, you know, the, uh, the, the kind of the coordinator slash team leader, the, the Nick Fury of the group, if you will. Right. Kind of. In a way. Yeah. Right. Um, but nevertheless, um, we, I guess the field lead, uh, who is uh, name, I think, I guess his, uh, his, uh, his name is not superhero name. I can't remember, but his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, I guess normal name is Taiwan. Right. Uh, Teguki. Thank you. Um, I couldn't remember his superhero, but I guess he's the, the, the field lead or the, the leader right. of the he's group. He's kind of like, right. What it is, is that I don't know if he's the field lead, but he's definitely like the stand in for like the Superman Hyperion type. Because he definitely uh, wields the most physical power of everyone involved. Right. Um, you know, you'll you'll recognize some of the other characters, uh, most specifically uh, Luna Snow, uh, who we've seen in um, you know several you know several books, Agents of Atlas, uh, you know issues Our of the Incredible book. Hulk, you know the. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 when uh, Amadeus Cho was uh, was running around as a Hulk, so uh, you know before he turned into Brawn, so <laughs> right before Champions, yeah, or before the the last Champions run, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know you'll recognize some of these characters. We get a little bit of a look into Teguki's origin, right. which relates all the way back to believe it or not, a conflict that would significantly affect how we perceive this character's age. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put that. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're not with the folks, we're not trying to spoil everything. This book literally came out yesterday. Mm. Although it is available, my understanding is it's available on the um whatchamacallit? Uh 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 Marvel Unlimited. Oh, is it? That's my understanding. I, I think that's. I think they're offering that as well as another, um, as well as another uh, 
uh, whatchamacallit, di- another digital offering. Sure. I did see this. I, I did see the story. I want, you know, I, I just pulled the, uh, the app up just to confirm. So if you have any other thoughts, I will confirm that. Um, I, yeah, I was about to say, I imagine it would be out there digitally, but I didn't think it would just put it directly to on uh, Marvel Unlimited. Uh, it's there. So soon. Okay, interesting. It's there. So I think it it's like just a, a matter of them attempting to push it as much as they can. Right. Because obviously it would be there for you if you bought the digital version, but not, you know, yeah. That's interesting. But yeah, is it, wait, is it free? Because I don't know, sometimes they, oh, okay. It definitely is. I have it open right now. Interesting. Well, but you have you still have your Marvel Unlimited, though. Correct. Correct. Well, but I mean, I but the going, point is, it's free for people with unlimited. Right. No, right. I, mean, I don't I know if asking, it's free for right, right. for non unlimited subscribers. Correct. Right. That's what I was asking. Yeah. Um. But either way, hey, um, give it a try if it is. If it, if you have Marvel Unlimited, not not a sponsor, just a source. You know. Correct. It. It's a t- <laughs> it's a tool. It's a tool for us, folks. Indeed. Uh, if they want to kick us some money, hey, you know, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to say no. Uh, either way, um, I if think they kick free subscriptions to us. I'd be happy. Or that, and or that, you know, I, I would, you know, I would also take a little, 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 um, you know, we won't talk any negatively or positive any more than we already do about what what the service is. So that wouldn't do, <laughs> wouldn't do any 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 good for that standard. But um, exactly. hey, you know, help us, help you, help us, help everybody. <laughs> exactly. And either way, though, uh, Tiger Prediction, I will definitely say I enjoyed reading this book because. Uh, um, I've also enjoyed we I guess we could say we both enjoyed Emily Kim's run on Silk. Yes. No, she is not um she is not Silk her herself is not in this book obviously. Um although I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> if so, uh Emily Kim would be like let me just sneak her in here for for a guest spot for a second. I'm more than I'm I I I'm more than willing to 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 bet that might happen down the road. Maybe not in the opening arc. Well, I mean, this is only a five-issue miniseries, so it depends on whether they get another arc or so. Or right, know. right, 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 right. But so. ultimately, you know, uh, it's probably more likely. I hate to say it, it's probably more likely we're going to see another Silk limited series before we get another Tiger Division limited series. But that is all dependent on the sales of this one. I also wanted to add, and 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 um, I think I saw this in Roddy Cat's notes before we started hmm. that this issue ends with an absolute call out to a sound effect that you know we have played in abundance it's always at the ready cue admiral akbar it's a trap so that's how this 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 issue ends yes but yeah the, the 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 main thing is like they were sent out for for to look for something that was stolen from them and yeah there you go um, in addition to, I say, I'm kind of curious as whether we're going to, I would assume we're going to get some more background on other members of the team that we don't know about. Um, cause there, there's, there are a few, oh, more though, than a few, right. But even though they seem to be focusing on, or at least potentially focusing on the, the lead dude for a, a subplot. Um, so whether they're going to kind of, you know, give a little bit more backstory to uh, a couple of the other characters or not we will see but otherwise that yeah. it's a good read check it out it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a good read i'll say that 
Uh, what, right, and there's what, definitely what, some culture and history involved as well. That is indeed, yes. Uh, and with that, excuse me, we can push on to the next book, which is... Uh, Much next. Want to do Black Panther? Sure. Alrighty, Black Panther, number 11, is written by John Ridley with art by Herman Peralta, colors by C.C. De La Cruz, and letters by V.C.'s Joe Sabino. So if you have been keeping up with Ridley's story, believe it or not, we actually close the story circle in this issue. And I'm talking about where this story began with Ridley's first issue on this volume of Black Panther. So we've come not quite full circle, but pretty close in the 11th issue of his run. And I'll let Roddy Cat take it from there. Uh, yeah, without giving too much more, well, too much away, I think I saw this being billed as the start of the fall of the Black Panther, to which he kind of already has that uh, start, given the uh, the last few issues of the book. So, but I guess this is like the... the um, the downward, uh, the down, the actual downward spiral of it, I suppose. But, but the way this uh, book, the way this um, this issue kind of plays out, I kind of wonder if if there's a sort of a swerve in there. We definitely know there is a swerve in this issue because uh, there was something that was led to be believed from the um, the arc that Agent Seventy was talking about uh, that happened that seems to not be the case. Um, that being said, uh, I, as I say in my notes, the, the plot of this issue kind of sounds like a Cobra plot. <laughs> Cause as I was reading, I was like, this is, this is a, this is a straight up a, a G.I. Joe Cobra plot. This is, this is weird. Although uh, a more thought out one, you know, and actually, well, I mean, Cobra's plans does work, you know, Due to no, uh, due to no fault of the Joes. Anyway, um, <laughs> right. I mean, at the end of the day, I I see what you mean. I definitely see the parallel. Right. It definitely, you know, when you when you think about it, you know, like taking the ten thousand foot view, mm -hmm. you're like, wow, you know, this is something that Destro might have come up with. Right. Exactly. Um, probably would have been a little bit more bombastic, though. But you know, hey, it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so, so basically, the plot ends, uh, starts with right. It's uh, not exactly. It's not exactly cold slither, folks. It's definitely not cold slither. Nothing can be cold slither. <laughs> <laughs> we should watch. We should watch that. Um, I mean, anyway. cold slither. I think was Doctor Mindbender. But at the end of the day, yeah. You know, it's you know we're we're going off on a GI Joe tangent, folks. But it's always fun because that is uh, our network's namesake. Exactly. But yeah, um, some unknown folks basically take over the internet, like actually take over the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Avengers go in to try to stop them. Um, and um, things do not work out. Yes, the things do not go out as they think they are, and there is a little headbutting in between. Uh, members of the uh, of the Avengers, or at least the ones that are present, that being um, T'Challa, Captain America, um, Captain Marvel, and Thor, who right. are the only ones present. Um, but yeah, there's some there's some headbutting between a couple of those. Um, I feel like we probably shouldn't have to say who, but we won't either way. 
<laughs> and I felt like so this is what I was talking to Agent Seventy before the show, and it's like I feel like he might have had something to say about the way that Cap was written here because it felt kind of a weird little. to me. A little. Um, although I am not one, I would not be the one to say, "Well, Cap's you know Cap can be wrong. Cap can be Cap's not necessarily always on the side. Of, I mean, Cap's he's he's always thinking on the side of right, but sometimes the way he thinks is may not necessarily be." indicative of how other people thinks that's that's neither here nor there in this case but i felt like this one was a little more antagonistic than captain normally would be would, would ever actually be um and i don't know if that's just my perception of the character or you know i felt like this is something that ridley's been building right over the course of this arc whatever interactions that he's had with Captain America. The problem is because, you know, Cap is a character that we've seen uh, in so many other books. You know, we read his book. We read Sam's book. We also read Avengers. Right. So, and we've read Judgment Day. So, you know, we all have, you know, somewhat different. We've seen different takes on Cap and his leadership and his, you know, character just in the last month and a half or two months. Right. Right. So I see what Roddy Cat is getting at, but I feel like Ridley has developed this particular interaction because it's based off of uh, the current events in Wakanda, right? Sure. It's li- literally these characters playing off of themselves, each other, and what's happening in Wakanda and what's been revealed uh, and, what's, and what he's building up to. Right. And, you know, it's, it's one thing where um, we have to – kind of deal with writers who write characters a certain way to fulfill the, 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 the writer's goals. Right. Right. It's another thing for a a writer to take a character and completely change the nature of the character to fit into their, you know, it's, it's a fit their need. And I don't know if that's exactly what Ridley's doing here, but I see how he's gotten there. So it's not completely out of the blue. Right. See, that, which brings up a, a question of, of something which I won't necessarily go into right now because it would be a kind of a long, you know, drawn-out stream of consciousness about... And it may come, I was about to say, and hold that thought, it may come into more distinct relief in the next issue. Because that's what's teased. Possibly, right, with the with the teaser at the end of the book, right. But right. like I said, uh, it kind of is a curious thing because we've even on this show we've talked about the fact that well, this character was written this kind of way and this character was written that kind of way, and not our and you know our perception of the character versus you know what the the intent of the author or and you know all all kinds of um, all, all kinds of things of that nature. So. It, it, it's a curious conversation to have uh, on that, which, like I said, that that is not a conversation for right now, mm-hmm. because it's like, well, is it like, as Agent Seventy said, like, while the writer is, um, you know, fitting the fitting the character into the story, or vice versa in some cases. Because let's face it, we there's a recent issue of a uh, speaking of Captain America, there's a recent uh, issue of a Captain America that was like the character was, let's say. Some would argue artificially bumped up in their prowess, um, 
in dealing with a with 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 uh, the Black Panther. Come to think of it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, that I mean that that jumped out at me. I, I brought that up right away. Mm-hmm. So it's <laughs> I was like, like, wait a second. Right. So it's like, and we get it. Like it's a book, you know. So you kind of have to you you, you kind of have to. Uh, yeah, it's not exactly Dwayne field. Johnson being contractually obligated to win every fight he's in, but it's right. close. Right, but it's like, <laughs> but even then, it was like that fight should probably should not have gone the way it did that in that situation. But nevertheless, yeah. you know, again, that kind of goes back to well, perception of the character or or you know, intent. Uh, but no, given especially given the history of the character, like it's even with the training that we know he's had, doesn't seem. Doesn't seem like it would go that easily, you know, right. or that matched uh, that easily matched, I should say. But like I said, conversation for another time. Back to this Black Panther book uh, in closing. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the next issue is going to bring and what that whole last bit is going to uh, bear out. And another side thing that I guess was brought up, or a side person that was uh, brought up um, during the course of this issue. That may or may not have anything to do with what's going on. Right. I'd be curious to see if this ends up being a 12 issue, like a solid 12 issue arc Mm. where, you know, you kind of have, you know, two, six issue trade paperbacks to really build uh, a solid, you know, first, uh, uh, first, like kind of greater story. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, let's see if that, Let's see if this twelfth issue really, you know, brings this opening Ridley story to some kind of satisfying close. Right. Uh, that being said, we can next move. up. Much next. Uh, let's see. Did you have another one that you actually wanted to, or? Uh... Well, let me see what else we have in common. Do you want to talk about? We don't have that much left in common. Do you, you know, oh, we have choices you. of She-Hulk, uh, Secret Invasion, or X-Men Red. Um, Secret Invasion. I feel All like because I feel like I have do, I I could have something to say about X-Men Red, but at the same time, like now nah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let that one run for itself. I mean, that'll be that'll be that's something that we can cover in right. rapid fire. Right. So X-Men Red number eight is written by Al Ewing. No, wait, Secret, all- Secret, Secret Invasion. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I didn't scroll up far enough. You know what? I don't have my credits for Secret Invasion, although I did I read em. it. So uh, let me scroll down to your notes. That's why I didn't see it. Secret right. Invasion number one. I apologize, folks. It's written by Ryan North with art by Francesco Mobili, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by our favorite lettering, Paisan. VC's Joe Caramagna. So, Roddy Cat and I, you know, we mentioned earlier that we were on last night doing uh, some test runs and some testing. And, you know, we talked about some of the books that we were planning to read in advance of uh, today's show. One of them we were kind of unsure about was Secret Invasion number one. And we were, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about how it's. It, it, it makes some sense that Marvel Publishing would put out a book titled Secret Invasion well in advance of 
the actual MCU television show, which has already been announced and we've gotten some casting uh, news about it. Uh, so it makes some sense that they would put out a comic book uh, in advance of it and kind of reprime the pump for, uh, you know, who do you trust type of storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, in the Marvel universe. And what's funny about it is that they actually bring up in this issue some of the problems that we have when it comes to dealing with – although I may be confusing this a little bit with X-Men Red, which is why it was kind of front and center on my mind. Mm. Because X-Men Red also has some scroll issues in it. And, and um, I think that's why it was front and center on my mind because I think X-Men Red – more so than Secret Invasion, really dealt with some of my questions about why Secret Invasion would even be relevant right now because of the current status of the Skrull Empire. Okay. Right? So, sure. but getting back to Secret Invasion, it, la- it basically lays out with characters that we know are active in the MCU. A new version of a Who Do You Trust storyline. And I'll let Roddy Cap pick it up from there. So, yeah, like I just sort of said, this definitely is, is primarily the pump for the show, which is not coming out until next year, which is the thing we were kind of was like, okay, this is a little early for that. <laughs> um, but I guess it's, it, this is not the first time we have seen something like this happen in the recent months where, like, hey, this, this property is not going to um, show itself in the MCU for a minute. And here we are early on, well before that. But nevertheless, um, there is a curiosity here for me in this because, like, as some might know, Secret Invasions was a two thousand. What did you say it was? Eight. Two thousand eight storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, where pretty much the, the scrolls were uh, planted in different uh, in in key places in the Marvel universe, and there was like Agent Seven said, also uh, it was a who do you trust thing going on through the whole thing. I believe that was uh, Bendis's. Uh, baby, correct. Throughout the whole thing, and some 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 folks have been was brought back into the fold, so, so to speak, and are used uh, in a certain way during that. In this, I also wanted to make note, okay, that it is one of a five issue limited series. Yes. So if you think about it, it uh, you know there'll be two issues here in the year twenty twenty two. And we'll be, there will be three more issues in 2023. So the timing kind of fits. Unless, you know, may, maybe we're on the heels of another Secret Invasion miniseries to help, you know, really bring it up to the timeline of the show. You know, to, to, to the release of the show. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like they're, like they're setting up an event? Right. No, it's possible. It's right. Possible. You know, just to, you know, just to, you know, just to, in a sense, to prime the pump, as we said... Uh, it makes sense that they would have some type of secret invasion title on the rack, on you know, on shelves. That is, uh, just prior to the release of the show. So there'll be you know three more issues, more than likely in 2023. Yeah, but I think the show doesn't still doesn't come out until like later in the 24. No, later in 2023. Yeah, like uh, November. Okay. I, I'm wrong because I know I saw it. Saw, saw the when it was a. Uh, the potential release, but uh, I don't remember. So now I have to look that up. Either way, back to this book, though. So the curious things about uh, about this book is like, um, okay, 
there is a certain bit of MCU vacation in this, in the fact that we definitely get, uh, I don't know if you read it the same way I did, but Nick Fury Jr.'s uh, voice here sounded very much like Samuel Jackson. Right. Um, and it is Nick Fury Jr. Because let's face it, one Nick Fury Sr. is uh, still around uh, uh, as of uh, recent uh, Fantastic Four, uh, although he's a little bit more cosmic at this point. Um, uh, but and actually, and even then, because this because because when Nick Fury Jr. in in the, the in the comics now was a little bit more bulkier than this particular Nick Fury is in this book. So they right. are definitely getting a little bit more into Samuel L. Jackson's uh, 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 um, uh, 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 fury. Now, the th- the thing I was questioning for a good minute uh, was the characterization characterization of Marie Hill, who also shows up in this book, who uh, was also a part of Secret Wars initially, you know, um, and I guess seemingly is the, I guess by the end of this issue the main character because of what happens in this issue. Right. Um, and it was kind of interesting in that respect because the last few times we've seen, uh, Maria Hill was a little bit more gruff, more, I would say more closer to how Abigail brand is in, in X-Men <laughs> at this point, which we'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, uh, and we hadn't seen her in a minute because she has done some things. So it was kind of weird to see their, her interactions with this Nick Fury uh, in this book. They're all like chummy chummy, like almost, almost like the MCU versions of Mary. Right. And I was Fury. going to say that's definitely an MCUification of the relationship. Right. So it was interesting that, but that being said, um, as far as the story is concerned, it definitely took a turn that I, I wasn't, I, I guess I should have expected. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, in with, in with what happened. So I, the only thing I will say is that Nick Fury was uh, sent out on a call um, or was sent out to investigate some scroll behavior or some scroll like behavior that didn't, that did and didn't turn out to be what it was described. Let's just say. And then it kind of took a turn from there. Yeah, the tables kind of get turned. We'll right. put it that way. So I'm like, okay, because I was kind of wondering. I was like, all right, we've done Secret Invasion before. Uh, they're going to have to flip it some kind of way. And they did and they didn't. I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, because if you've read Secret Invasion initially, and admittedly, I have not read the whole thing on uh, Secret Invasion originally. I do know of the finer points of it and some characters that come along, which, uh, which I don't think is pr- possibly going to be uh, happening here. Cause I think we've even seen one of those characters that, uh, uh, in the past year, but that may or may not mean anything. Um, so I assume whatever happened, well, what has happened at the end of this issue is going to go into the way of flipping the script, even though, like I said, it kind of doesn't because some of the same things that happened, in Secret Wars originally seemingly are happening in this book. Um, without, like I said, going into it too much. So, and I feel like it was like, okay, you could almost see uh, 
at least at the end of this issue, there, there are some characters that show up. You can almost see it's like, well, clearly it's got to be either this person. It's got to be this person. Mm-hmm. But that might not be the case. It could be a swerve. Was, you know, who's who's it to say? Nevertheless, we would definitely be keeping track on this uh, this book. It's only five issues. And like I said, if it is indeed the primer for um, the, the show, like we believe it is, we shall see some things that we'll probably see similarities in when that show finally comes up whenever that happens. Yep. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, though. Yeah, I mean, we can get into rapid fire now because we have, you know, surprisingly a number of books to get through this week that we do not have in common. Sure. Ready? Go for it. I ain't got time to breathe. All righty. So let me cover the books that we do have in common and then we will diverge. First up is She-Hulk number seven. It's written by Rainbow Roll. With art by Luca Maresca, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So we start basically directly following up on the events of She-Hulk number six with Jack of Hearts and She-Hulk. But that is a lot of personal relationship stuff, and that's great. We actually have a little bit of legal stuff in this issue, which... Uh, brings in some characters that Rainbow Roll actually dealt with in another series that she wrote for Marvel for the better part of a few years. Yes, I enjoyed that book, actually. So you got around to reading it? What? Oh, wait, are you, wait, what are you, we might be talking about different books? Uh, Runaways. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I was thinking about, about AI. Right. Avengers AI. Right, 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 right. So I was thinking of uh, Runaways because of because of that one character, but right. I see what you mean. Because right. they do, you know, I thought that was an Al Ewing book, that AI book. I believe it was, actually. Um, so, yeah, but that character was also involved in that book. Right. So, and, right. yeah. I, now, that being said, I actually do plan on reading Runaways because of, like, one because of recent books that we've read, uh, uh, particularly the, the Midnight Suns book also. Uh, okay. That has me curious about it, but nevertheless. All right. And I just wanted to uh, add that uh, uh, Rainbow Roll actually brings a little bit of storytelling, again, not full circle, but back into, um, you know, like a, a, you know, without leaving a, a dangling plot line. This plot line is again picked up after a few issues off. And interestingly enough, it leaves this issue on a cliffhanger. Again, uh, and also feels a little bit MC of uh, MCU vacation of sorts. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, especially in the wake of the TV show. Exactly, because if that's going the way it seemed like it was it's going at the end of this issue, that's it's almost direct. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. All right, next up, uh, I think the last book that we have in common is X-Men Red Number 8. It's written by Al Ewing with art by a name that I hadn't seen before. So I remember when I was typing out my credits, I was like, wow, I've never seen this name before. First off, it's a name that we are familiar with. This book is written by Al Ewing, but with art by Madabek Musibekov. Colors are by Federico Blee and letters by VCs Ariana Mar. So... Uh, we have the return of some characters we have not seen in a while. 
it was interesting to see Ewing bring back some characters from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy that we have not seen in a long while. Yep. I also wanted to, you know, uh, remind everyone that some of that scroll talk, which is, you know, th- there's there's a reason why this issue and that secret invasion book kind of got jumbled in my brain because there's there are definitely hints of the current status of the scroll empire mixing into my thinking about you know how the secret invasion book might play and you know it kind of refreshed my memory as to what the what the state of the empire is given uh some of the refresher that we get in x-men red number eight because this is if you recall pre-judgment day dealing with uh space stuff around Araco. and um there are some developments here you know interstellar politics stuff that is kind of revisited that we have not really seen in a while because of the crossover stuff. I also wanted to, uh, you know, I'll give Roddy Cat a chance to uh, give his thoughts. I wanted to um, make a quick mention of uh, 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 an Easter egg in the issue. There is a roster of the uh, galactic. I forget if they're if it's like a galactic council or a galactic you know it's not exactly the galactic senate folks you know it's not star wars but there's like a council that meets uh in this book that has met you know since uh Araco was founded and uh Storm was placed as the uh the regent of Sol if I recall correctly so yep. uh Richard Ryder is there as a as a as a uh, representative of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and there's a little note in there about how he stood, and the Araco <laughs> people right. see him as one of them because right. of the way he stood during Judgment Day. Right, and, and the note Agent Seventy kind of got a chuckle out. I, I was like, okay, I, I see that. I know you did because I because well, I read that I was like, yeah, Agent Seventy was gonna love that. <laughs> I mean, you know, and and obviously, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the character, but I am a big fan of the way they actually developed the character in Annihilation. And once Roddy Cat finally read that, he understood where I was coming from. Where I was like, wait a second, we can't take this character backwards. Right. Right. So, but anyway, uh, go ahead. So the only thing I'll say is like this is pretty much Al Ewing bring together some things from his run in the last four, four or five years, let's just say, just to just mm-hmm. a nice big number because there's some empire stuff. There's uh like you said, guardians of the galaxy, just all, all of uh, this X-Men stuff here, you know, all just kind of coming together here into um, one little thing, which, you know, we love that about L. Union because he, he likes to play with his own toys in, in any way, but, but, if I didn't know any better, it was like you would think he had been planning this since well before Empire, the way some of this is coming off. But I don't know if he or maybe he did. I don't know. I, I don't know the man's brain. But, um, you know, tying in the Araco stuff with the, with the whole cosmic, um, uh, the, the, the cosmic makeup uh, that we have here, it, it's kind of interesting. But uh, the crux of this issue is... Um, after last issue of uh, WizKid and Cable trying to, well, basically finding out what uh, Abigail Brand was up to, Cable goes out to on a recruitment drive uh, to kind of go against her. And um, 
that, as they say, doesn't necessarily go as uh, as planned, uh, as we find out at the end of the, the end of this issue. Because, um, hey, Apple Girl Brand is um, he's, she's a she's a good chess player. <laughs> it's interesting that it's taken. It feels like it's been take. It's it's taken a long time to develop, but because of the tie-in issues and all that stuff, that we really have not seen this develop. So it's it's great to see you know that that part of the story come back. And again, you know, we've some, seen this pre X Men Red. I wanted to right, mention that. Right again, Empire, because I believe that at the end of Empire, that's when we we start seeing her shades, to, you know, of her going for her going for her stuff. Exactly, so, exactly. Which, as I just said, just said, yeah, well before X Men Red. So right, and and it's interesting that Cable is the character that actually, uh, kind of voices the thoughts of the reader. Because we're not 100% sure what Brand's endgame here is. Right. Cable actually, uh, 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 you know, lays out what could, what, what, what the case is, what, what the situation could be, what Brand might be planning. And it could be double crossing, triple crossing, quadruple crossing. So it's, 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 fairly, it's fairly up in the air. And that's Ewing's doing. For and you know I I, I made a, a accidental <laughs> rhyme there, uh, whether or not what we think is going to happen actually will happen. And it, I don't know. It's part of it feels kind of clear though that it feels like she's making a big power play, whether for herself or for as she like to like like to say for uh, for soul for 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 you know, for Earth, right? Uh, or or that part of the ghetto because she, she says herself she's a space kid, so you know she, whether she's making this play for her part of space or, you know, for the earth at large as, as it would right. sound like at the end of this, you know, who's to say, or if it's, or if it's supposed to be kind of anti Krakoa, you know, like it's hard to say, right. Hard to say at this point. All right. All right. Next up. So moving on to books that we do not have in common. First up is Batman number 129. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Jorge Jimenez with colors by Tomo Mori and letters by Clayton Cowell. So in short, this is the latest chapter in Batman versus his, um, I don't want to give all, give it all away because by you know the, the 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 what he's up against is literally what we would all call this type of plan right because what he's up against is something of his own making and it, it comes up because he does what originally had been unthinkable for batman or at least is alleged to have committed it turns out he'd never committed it but this plan doesn't realize that and the plan is laying waste to the basically the entire Justice League, the entire Batman family, and is taking Gotham uh, basically hostage. So I will leave it at that. If you're interested in this, pick it up. The art by Jorge Jimenez is pretty solid on this book. Speaking it, of art being, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was, I was, I was, the only thing I was going to say was like it seems similar to a a. Uh, I guess a noted Justice League story. If I, yes, uh, of yes, a yes. It's a. It's kind. definitely. It definitely has echoes of that story. Yeah. Defin- it definitely rhymes with that story, but you know, it's a different type of. Um, it's a different type of mechanism. The delivery mechanism is different. Right. Uh, 
Speaking of solid art, Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo, number one of seven. This is a, a black label book. It's written and with art by Mark Silvestri of X-Men and Cyberforce fame. Colors are by Arif Prianto and letters are by Troy Pateri. So it's not a spoiler. It's been teased in solicitations and it's obviously in the title that Batman and the Joker will find a reason to quote unquote team up. And the premise for why they team up is laid out here in this issue. And we have yet to find out who the antagonist is in the story, but this is the first issue of a seven issue limited series. So I'm sure Silvestri is teasing that out for a little bit, at least it's a pretty straightforward opening issue, but ultimately you're here for the art and it's pretty, pretty solid. Next up is Avengers forever. Number 10 It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Jim toe colors by guru EFX and letters by VCs Corey Petit. This is not quite the final issue of uh, setting up the pillars of the Avengers and getting all of their, you know, like kind of going through their variants, their alternates throughout uh, the universe. And if you're new to the concept of this series, this is about gathering uh, a multiversal group of Avengers to finish up uh, Jason Aaron's run. And... Uh, this is a Tony Stark centric issue. So I think Roddy Cat is eventually going to catch up on this. So I don't want to spoil too much, but that's the uh, crux of this issue. Next up is Captain Marvel number 43. It's written by Kelly Thompson with pencils by Sergio Davila, inks by Sean Parsons, colors by Arif Prianto, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is a fun issue. It involves Carol getting back to trying to live her life. Rhodey is there. And if you are unfamiliar with Captain Marvel and Rhodey, a.k.a. War Machine right now, they are a romantic item. And uh, their plans to spend time together do not happen because of superhero hijinks that involve the X-Men. And if you are unfamiliar with Carol Danvers' long and somewhat convoluted comic book history, she has had several adventures with various X-Men. One in particular. You know, had, right. One in particular who plays a role in this issue. But there is also uh, some spacefaring involved. And if, you're from, and if you've been keeping up with this Carol, Captain Marvel book, uh, an aspect of Carol has become a character of her of its own of her own uh, and uh, that does play some part in the story so if you want to keep up and this is you know it, it's kind of cool to see some characters play in the sandbox with other characters that don't that you don't normally see them play with outside of like big crossovers it's kind of fun to see you know in this issue Right. It, it's kind of like a uh, uh, an old school Marvel team up. Right. Without the, the, the premise of a big crossover story. Next up, Deadpool number one. It's another number one issue this week. It's written by Alyssa Wong with art by Martin Cocolo, colors by Niraj Menon and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So 
Deadpool is back with all of the fourth wall breaking that you expect. Interestingly enough, there is a concept here that is relatively I don't I did not have a chance to look this up. I did not recognize the concept here that uh um you know Deadpool is essentially trying to join an an elite group of assassins and he's given a test. The test is to take out a very established Marvel character, but in the meantime Deadpool is sidetracked by something completely wacky that ties into the King and Black story of all things. And it's just a big issue full of hijinks and comedy. So if you are a Deadpool fan, I think you're going to have a lot of fun reading this issue. Next up is Hulk number 10. I read a lot this week. It's written by Donny Cates with pencils by Ryan Otley, inks by Cliff Rathburn, Colors by Sonia Obak and Marte Gracia, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. Uh, this is the latest issue in Kate's um, run, and it's a play on Planet Hulk. It's Hulk Planet, but he brings uh, what he reveals in this issue is that this is um, this involves fallout from a recent story. And that story basically begets the story. And I, I, I pretty much mean that literally. So the ramifications from a previous arc, you know, let's say the arc prior to that whole um, uh, uh, Thor crossover. Banner of War. Um, yes, I was going to say the whole Thor crossover, Banner of War. Thank you for the name. Hmm. Uh that arc prior to that banner of war story comes back into play in this, you know, it's revealed that it comes back into play in this issue, which was a weird arc, but right. But it's, it, it, you know, when you read it, you'll see how it all ties in. Right. Right. And there is an interesting cliffhanger at the end and it's bound to continue to be part of, um, Kate's story going forward. Next up is Predator number four. It's written by Ed Brisson with art by Kev Walker, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This issue has Theta, the protagonist of the story so far, taking on some predators that have ambushed her. Things do not go well, but at the end of this particular story, there is a twist and newer characters introduced at the end of the story, which take, which definitely will take the story in a very different direction than I thought it was going to go. And I'll leave it at that. Is this character kind of like Vasquez from Aliens 2? If you, I guess I don't know if you remember. I don't remember. Okay. Don't remember. Okay. Just curious. Don't remember. And that's it for me because I've covered all the other books. Alrighty then. And for myself, we start off with, um, which I won't give too much away. Actually, oh man, I know I forgot something. Uh, TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures number two. Um, written by, story by, um, excuse me, Eric Burnham. Art by Tim Laddie. Uh, colors by Sarah Meyer. 
and letters by Jake M. Wood. So, um, <laughs> I think this this story kind of breaks the fourth wall in definite one way, uh, and um, gets a little tropey, intentionally tropey in another way. I will not spoil it because I know I see that uh, uh, the Benji Games uh, two has also picked this book up. Um, but it is still a fun story, um, dealing with, uh, Shredder wanting something, uh, and getting some help to get it, uh, and, uh, the turtles becoming involved and, uh, shenanigans, uh, ensue because of, uh, said device, let's just say. And that's not even really, really giving it away because that's just kind of like the start of it, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's another kind of one and done story just like the last one was um it is also called uh, for those who are about to rock which i was gonna pull that sound effect but i i i, I chose not to <laughs> like i forgot uh, in leading up to this program i mean into this uh to the show but that's fine you you know what you mean the acdc song yes there we go so um but i didn't pull it uh and i feel sad about that but nevertheless the spirit is still there uh but it's fun just like the last issue was and um uh, i think uh if you again like i said with that last one if you enjoyed the the 90s uh excuse me the 80s turtles show uh this feels like something that probably could have gone there although i'm pretty sure they would have changed it just a little bit giving uh um a couple of things that I won't go into, let's just say, <laughs> that, that are kind of amusingly done here. In whose uh, next book for me is Magic the Gathering number 20, uh, which ends... There we go. Uh, which pretty much ends one storyline and uh, starts up another one. And I have to be careful about the clicking I'm doing because I don't want to <laughs> cut off the show. Um... Let's see. Written by Jed McKay. Uh, illustrated by Aguara, Jacques Salmon, uh, or Salomon, excuse me, and Breno Tamura, with colors by Ariana Consani and Breno Tamura. So, like I said, the this this ends the arc, the 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 arc of uh the last chapter, or this last uh yeah, this last chapter with uh Ravnica being invaded and uh the heroes being uh, left out, but uh, that was all uh, taken care of as of last issue. There was a big battle on a couple of fronts uh, with a resolution, but at the end of it, seem is uh, starting up uh, with everything kind of sort of getting back to numbers, starts off another uh, arc um, or another story at the very least uh, come, going at the end of this. Uh, dealing with a, a planeswalker that uh, was being used in, in a sense uh, in during the course of the story and had a side story uh, that uh, um, a couple of months ago that uh, may be possibly getting front and center, but we will we will see what the plans they have to do with this uh, person. Uh, my next book is Star Wars number twenty nine. Did not get to that Star Trek book. Uh, there we go. So this is the beach episode. 
in a way because when i first read it i was like wait is this, is this an anime now what's going on here but um this is written by charles soul art by ramon rosanas colors by rachel Ros- uh, rosenberg uh and the letters by vc's clayton cowles so uh holdo admiral holdo well i guess she's not admiral at this point uh i don't think or maybe she is i don't know but um Leia's friend Holdo, who we have seen in, in, in the, the sequel movies, or in a sequel movie, I should say, uh, basically tells Leia and crew, hey, they need, they need to, uh, some rest and relaxation. So she takes them over to a friend's house because she also has money just like Leia does. But it's also a slight ulterior motive because they end up going after um, a piece of tech that is a holdover from the High Republic. Um, that also gets them into a little bit of trouble with the empire. And as I say at the, um, uh, in my notes, uh, at the end of it, they're going on an adventure, uh, because of that. So also Luke's apparently getting a little bit more, um, a little bit more in control of the force. So yeah, never want to smell a wet Wookiee also. Nevertheless, uh that is that book it was fun um let's see and my last book is the never to die probably well we'll see how this goes but um savage avengers number seven all new all different savage avengers as the island goes uh the creative team is right written by david pippos um art by carlos magno Color artist uh, Espen Grindigen and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So they are stuck in the world of 2099, but I believe this is kind of an offshoot 2099. Although I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I remember 2099 uh, all that well. But uh, last episode, last issue, kind of set up the fact that actually I need to go back and see something here. No, I was right. Okay. The last issue pretty much uh, gave a little bit of backstory into how the world came into be. And I don't recall it being that way. Uh, but there is a little bit of a wrinkle that has to do with uh, Hank Pym's invention, uh, Ultron, who apparently has taken over, and some Deathlocks. Um, almost, almost Terminator fashion, but not really uh we have punisher 2099 that is now involved in this uh who's in this issue kind of uh switches allegiances you might say um but they don't necessarily go up against ultron they go up against another um organism that is designed for killing ah a variation of a said organism that is designed for killing let's just say that may have been the melded with a death lock. So you, uh, you take that for what it is. Um, and at the end of this, well, we get a couple more, I guess we get, uh, we get a couple more, uh, 29 characters coming into the fold for good or for ill, especially one at the end of this, who not surprising to see being around in 2099, let's say. And I believe they had their own book not in, the, in that original run of 2099. So that's not, uh, wouldn't be a surprise that they'd still be around. Also, I have said 2099 a whole lot. 
and that, that <laughs> and during the, the talk of this book, more than probably has been done in the last probably ten years. Um, so I don't know. I was never a big, real big fan of tw- the two hundred ninety nine verse. So who's the uh, who's to say? And that, folks, is it for me. We can go into clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Uh, we did get one from, I think we got it from Tim, actually. Yes. Um, and that was, uh, Batman 129, because I believe that was all he read. Yeah, well, you know what? That's his choice. Yeah, you know, well, well you know, he's a busy man, ball. so. Yep. Kind of, it, it happens that way. Um... This was an interesting week, I I will say, because there was some good stuff. It's kind of one of those weeks where it's like, yeah, there's some good stuff, but nothing that really, really stood, stood. Same. Same, same, same. So it's a bit of a challenge this week to come up with a click of the week. So... Yeah, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but that's generally the gist of it. We're going to try to come up with... Uh, a good enough choice for our clicks of the week this week. Do you have um, any contenders? Yes. Uh, and actually, before I even get to those, I, I'm going to read something from the chat uh, because this seems to be the time to do that. Sure. Um, Benji Games 2 says that um, his pickups for or their pickups for the week are Predator number four, TMNT Saturday morning adventures number two. Kevin Smith's Quick Stops number one, which that was the one I uh, alluded to, was curious about checking out. Uh, DC's Terrors of the Terrors Through Time. Held to Pay number one, which we had talked about yesterday. Yes, I, I skimmed that book. It was interesting, but I, I couldn't stick with it, but I was probably just too tired to read it. Right. And Night of the Ghoul number two. So... Couple good, couple good picks. I need to catch up on uh, Predator. Uh, uh, as I was telling Agent Seventy last night, I'm like, yeah, I need to, I need to do it, and I should have. But there was a, I had to catch up on a couple other books. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for today. That being said, yeah, um, um, TMNT Saturday Morning Adventures would be one for me. Uh, She-Hulk number seven, um, kind of because even though it was like, okay, they, Jack and Jen, they were being so cute. It was sickening. It was like, all right, mm-hmm. enough already. <laughs> um, and we don't even know where that story is going. And, and, and the other side of that story is like, well, like, so that seems kind of an instituification, but we will, I guess that'll be confirmed next issue. Not a, not necessarily a good or bad thing. Just saying it, it is, mm-hmm. um, Star Wars 29 was also a pretty decent one. Tiger Division was a good start. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think I've got one. Okay, what you got? I think because it kind of tugged on the nostalgia strings and uh, I basically had a pretty good time reading it, I am going to go with Captain Marvel number 43. Which is another book I, I, we have talked about um, right. I've had some good experiences with Captain Marvel over the right. last several months. So it's no surprise that, you know, with the start of a new arc, uh, this, you know, and, and, and kind of taking 
Carol back to some of her X-Men related roots kind of, you know, really struck a chord with me as a, as a longtime X-Men fan. You know, I definitely rival uh, our very own at Tim dog 98 as a X-Men fan. You know, my, uh, my uncanny run is, you know, goes back to uh, dark Phoenix. So, you know, I'm familiar with all those stories and this definitely, you know, Carol's time with the X-Men covers the time after that. So, um, I'm going to go with Captain Marvel number 43. Hmm. Solid. I think for myself, uh, I'm probably going to go, um, hmm. I think I'm gonna go with Star Wars 29. Actually, interesting. Okay, like I, said, I enjoyed the t- uh, the the TMNT story. It was fun. I wish there was a couple of other that probably would have changed had I gotten to a uh, to a couple of other books because I am definitely behind. I know that time before time book came out this week, and I really wanted to read that and and uh, realized that I was uh, behind on a couple of issues. And that Transformer Shattered Glass book also. Uh, it's kind of fun for when I read. Like I said. Secret, secret Invasion is kind of a wait and see. <laughs> so that's why I didn't want to really pick that one. Sure. But yeah, Star Wars number 29 is is the, is my click. And we're going to go into the news section. But first, uh, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron. And Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron is your has fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And as we do about this time, we get into the cinematic news. First up, um, actress Catherine Langford addresses Marvel Marvel return from... Uh, Oh, excuse me. Cut Avengers in-game actress Catherine Langford uh, uh, addresses Marvel Return. So I believe this was the person who was supposed to play. Uh, uh, oh, OK. No, I was wrong. Uh, this was supposed to play the older version of um, Morgan Stark, which is Tony Stark's child with Pepper in the mm-hmm. MCU. Uh, it says here during the cutscene, uh, you know what? I'm not even going to say, but basically, there's a cutscene uh, from that movie, and the actress recently did a Q and A on Instagram where she revealed that she doesn't have any answers uh, as to um, whether she's going to be returning or not. "Quote: uh, I don't have an answer, and I couldn't tell you if I did." Marvel snipers. Yeah. Um, Langford revealed on Instagram. Either way, it was an honor being asked to play Morgan. Um, RDJ left an incomparable legacy as Iron Man. Uh, and boy, did they spell that wrong in this article. Well, I know they didn't, but anyway. Uh, and I love 
that guy of 3,000. So that's that. Next up. Next up, uh, MCU Zemo actor Daniel Bruhl has addressed his absence from the Thunderbolts movie cast and what may be in store for his character in the future. So we know that in the comic books, Zemo is uh, an integral part of the introduction of the Thunderbolts concept. But uh, the way the MCU has adapted it does not seem to involve Zemo, at least at first. So... Uh, it's interesting that in a recent interview with RadioTimes.com, Brule addressed his absence from the upcoming team-up film. Without saying any details, Brule implied that he will indeed return to the MCU, but that does not give an indication on when or if Thunderbolts is that project. Okay. And the one thing he says is, the only thing he can say, everybody knows, is that he is not dead. Yes. Dancing in some some European club somewhere, surely. Pretty much. Uh, Eternals confirmed to be returning to the MCU, apparently. Which, okay, we kind of figured that would be the case, but we just did not know when. And according to this, I don't think we still know when. Because, um, says uh, Nate Moore, the producer of Black Panther Wakanda Forever and VP of Productions at Marvel Studios, spoke with comicbook.com. He was asked about the future of the Eternals characters and whether or not an outright sequel is on the way. On the way. Uh, he says, a quote, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but we have not seen the last of those characters, uh, end quote. Uh, it's not clear whether the Eternals characters will show up again. They need to show up in their other, um, the, the, uh, a sequel to explain what the hell happened at the, um, at the end of their movie. Because you just can't leave that out there like that. Or they might. Who's to say? Either way, um, though it is expected by many, the confirmation is an exciting promise of a future for the characters. I'm sure, I guess. <laughs> Next up. So, this ties into something we're going to talk about this episode anyway. That being that next week we are going to be in, uh, we're going to be observing movie protocols for the Comic Book Chronicles. Because, believe it or not, and I said that exactly the way the old show would. Way to go. Wakanda Forever is actually right on the door. We're on the doorstep of watching this, folks. It's out next week. So next Thursday night, we will be observing movie protocol. And um, in advance of that, the story is, uh, you know, basically Nate Moore, uh, producer of uh, Wakanda Forever. Actually, no, Nate Moore is an MCU guy. I don't know if he's right. listed as a producer. Well, he's, I mean, he probably is a producer. Also. Okay. And, you know. All right. So in a, in a recent interview with Slashfilm, Nate Moore was asked if Namor would always be the sequel's villain. Oh, yeah, he is a producer. I'm, I apologize, folks. Right. It's right there in the story. Uh, he revealed that Ryan Coogler, the director, had been planning the Submariner's introduction since 2018's Black Panther was... Black Panther was in early post-production and the director even called quote-unquote dibs on the character. So, you know, that's <laughs> very old school. Right. So, sure. Alright. I believe it. <laughs> I, do, I do too. 
Um, uh, but and for those who who may who may be newer to the Comic Book Chronicles and, and don't know what Book 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 is, I, I, it's pretty much stands the reason we will probably we will definitely not be um, recording Thursday night because one and or both of us separately will probably be going to the movies that night to watch said movie. Um, so sometimes that happens, you know. But uh, we will definitely uh, to stay tuned to our um, um, social medias. To you know, to, to find out, keep the notifications on to find out when we record. Likely, it'll probably be the next night, unless something right, something happens. right. It usually is the next night. It's usually the Friday. It's usually the following night. Right. But every once in a while, life gets in the way, and we have to push it to the Saturday. The you know the, the following Saturday night. Yeah. Or, Bottom line, though, is that next Thursday night we will not be recording our regularly scheduled Comic Book Chronicles because I'm definitely going to be in the movies. Because <laughs> that's when my that's you know Roddy Cat is you know like has a little bit more flexibility in terms of uh, timing. He has the ability to catch maybe an afternoon show, but I will okay. definitely be in the movie theater watching this movie Wakanda Forever while we would normally during the time that we would normally be broadcasting and recording. Yep. So like I said, keep it locked. Stay tuned. We'll keep you posted. Uh, next up, though. I guess this has been confirmed, but um, Marvel's Wonder Man cast Yaya Abdul-Mateen II to lead Disney Plus uh, series. We talked about this last week uh, as being rumored to be the case as he's been talked to it. I don't think there's still been any uh, confirmation from Marvel, but a lot of places, including like uh, Variety and Deadline, have been have been picking this up. So I guess you can say with a shred more credibility that is the case, unless Marvel happens to come out and be like, "Nah, nah, y'all were y'all 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 chased the goose." Um, but yeah, so I guess um, Black Manta is uh, now part of the the Marvel universe as a hero. If this is if this is still the case, which, like I said, sure, right? Or Aunt Doctor Manhattan. And Doctor Manhattan, yes, yes, I forgot. He uh, keep forgetting he did that because I've not watched Black uh, Watchmen. So, uh, oh, you haven't watched HBO Watchmen? Nope, I didn't watch. Oh. Actually, I didn't watch neither one. Actually, now that I think about it, I gotcha, watched gotcha, the movie. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Uh, that's going to be. Oh, it says is. Oh wait, no. Oh yeah, he said it's going to be back for that next Aquaman movie, which is currently scheduled for uh, Christmas twenty twenty three. Unless, unless his recent comment, uh, comments, you know, have uh, put him out of favor, but um, that would be still hilarious. Um, and I don't know when uh, Wonder Man's going to happen, but since it's just got things, it probably won't be twenty twenty until twenty twenty four sometime. Next up. All right, next up, Intrepid Reporters found that the Writers Guild of America West Directory has basically confirmed that Megan McDonnell, who wrote the third and fourth episodes of WandaVision and the script for next year's The Marvel's Captain Marvel movie, uh, will be joining the Disney Plus Phase 5 spin-off Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Okay. Speaking of that show, uh, Heartstopper star Joe Locke joins uh, the spinoff um, as, uh, I guess, an undisclosed character. 
Yep, exact plot details, including the characters Locke will play, are being kept under wraps. So, yeah, we don't really know. And Marvel hasn't commented on this either, but, hey, you know. Right. In the same way. I was about to say, following up in the same exact vein, some more casting news. Variety is reporting that Aubrey Plaza is also joining Catherine Hahn in Agatha Coven of Chaos as an undisclosed character. Hmm. Um, we were talking about this last night. Agent 70 has a speculation, which that sounds plausible to me. Uh, I don't know if he wants to go. I mean, not it. a specific, not a specific character. Well, no, 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 no. But who? What kind of character she might be playing? Oh, very witchy. Yeah. So she has very witchy type vibes. She can give off those kind of vibes. So one way to say it. Um, <laughs> also, you know, some people know she's already done some Marvel work with, uh, or technically done some Marvel work with Legion. So, which I still have not seen. So. Same. Oh, I thought you did. Mm-mm. Hmm. Okay. I know you watched I, Runaways. I watched, I haven't but... watched any X-related things in ages. Right. But you do. You I don't do even think that. I've watched all. The, I don't think I've watched. Uh, Which one call it? Uh, the Apocalypse movie. Um, all the way through. I think I, I watched I, like a few minutes of it. I'm pretty sure I hadn't either, actually. Or I might have, and I just blanked it out. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, wait, but you did watch Runaways, right? Yeah, but that's not really X-related stuff. I know what I'm saying, but it's still Marvel-related. Yeah, exactly. You know, I watched, listen, I watched Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. Oh, right. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Hmm. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Venom 3 sets up Kelly Marcel as director. Um, for some reason. They're, they're Actually, no, we skipped, the, we skipped the story, folks. Did we? Yeah, you skipped one. Uh, oh, right. I know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Vision series starring Paul Bethany Bethany is in the works at uh, Marvel Studios. This was first that's kind rumor. of big. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind well, of big. It still feels kind of rumory, but like the deadline is reporting this, so it feels like it's a little bit more credible because like this started out as a rumor uh, in the beginning of the, well since last uh, show, but seems to be uh, legitimately happening and not surprising given at the, what happened at the end of uh, WandaVision because that was kind of a loose end. That wasn't sure where that was going to show back up again, presuming this is where they're going to go. So, right. or and what's what, going, what, what yeah. I was going to say is, I, I'm I'm surprised that Roddy Cat skipped over this because this is a wacko storyline. Well, no, no, I didn't. It wasn't intentional. When I was putting the, the the links together, I skipped over that one for some stupid reason. Oh, I know. I just I'm just saying that's why I was surprised. I was like, how did you forget that? I like, how did you skip over that one? That's a wacko storyline. Yeah, yeah. Which so I'm glad you brought that up because it's a wacko story that they kind of done already. Part of yes, they've done part of it. Part so, of it was in Wandavision, right? And matter of fact, it was the one would say the bulk part of it, with the exception of you know, um, not actually yeah, that was the bulk part of it because like the whole the whole thing with the whole third storyline was like yeah, Vision related and what happens to him, which again Wandavision already took care of. Everything right. after that is kind of like, yeah. right? I mean, ultimately, what we what we're finding out, and you know, this is something that we've seen in all of, uh, you know, all of our MCU related adaptations, is that the title may be exactly what you know may 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 be exactly the same as it was in, um, 
the comics, but the adaptation will not be. Right. So it makes sense that they would use a title that is, you know, uh, catchy and, and, and obviously brings up some nostalgia for comic fans. But they're do- they're going to take this in a vastly different direction, more than likely based on the uh, the effects of uh, the WandaVision, the, the arc that the Vision um, had during right. uh, the WandaVision series. Right. I mean, it, it's it, at most a very, um, I wouldn't say literal, but you, there will probably be a, a uh, the title means definitely is, is definitely coming off of the storyline, uh, the comic book storyline and WandaVision because of what happened in like I said, but also could be a veritable quest because of, you know, what happened, trying to figure out who he is. So right. what that's going to entail, who's, you know, how that's going to entail. No, we don't know yet. We'll find All right, out. Next up. Next up. So after writing the screenplay for both Venom and its sequel, Venom Let There Be Carnage, Kelly Marcel is stepping up to the director role for the third film based on the Marvel antihero. Deadline reports that uh, uh, sources close to the film's production have confirmed Marcel is set to direct the movie. She will also serve as producer alongside Tom Hardy, who plays Eddie Brock and the titular symbiote. Okay. Again, don't know why this is, why this is happening, but whatever. Cameron, listen, Pearl, people went to go see it, so they're gonna make another one. I mean, people go see a lot of things that doesn't need that's near to me. Hey, need to make a, neither of us went to see it, so but people did. Yeah, Cameron Crowe wants to shoot an X Men film about one specific mutant. If you're watching the video version, you already know who that is. It's Dazzler, folks. Um. So Crow expressed interest in helming a spinoff uh, starring the lesser-known superhero in an interview with uh, Rolling Stone. Quote, throw me a Dazzler movie. Let's do it. Which I feel like this is probably not a, the first person to actually want to make that claim, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, the filmmaker named English singer-songwriter Dua Lipa uh, as his top pick to play Dazzler. Um, I feel like folks in the know know what her powers are. So we don't necessarily need to go over that, but uh, yeah, she, she she sings, she dances, she 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 lights up the place literally. <laughs> uh, let's see, doing a movie like that would be a blast, as he added. So yeah, I don't know whether it will happen. Who's to say? But he put it out in the universe. Next up. So uh, this story contains direct spoilers. They're not consequential spoilers, but they are spoilers for one of the stories in the anthology uh, animated series Star Wars Tales of the Jedi that explores uh, much of the Filoni-verse. And so Star Wars Tales of the Jedi creator Dave Filoni explains why, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, you may want to skip over this if you do not want to know this. So I'm just going to ring the bell real quick. For Tales of the Jedi. So, spoilers incoming. Apparently, Dave Filoni has explained why Bryce Dallas, Dallas Howard's Yaddle does not employ the same uh, language structure as Yoda. And essentially, he says that it's because Frank Oz told him, Dave Filoni, that Yoda speaks that way specifically in honor of Yoda's own master. 
And that's what Frank Oz had to say about it. So using that as uh, as a reason gave Filoni license to have Yaddle not speak that way. Part of me wants corroboration with Frank Oz about this, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Also, but at the same time, it's Filoni, and you know that Filoni is so right. close to all of Star Wars. Right, yeah. I would, yeah, the, yeah, wouldn't be something. Also, Yaddle deserved better. Hashtag Yaddle deserved better. <laughs> I agree. Uh, next up. Uh, and our director Toby Hayes talks uh, that Forrest Whitaker and Stellan Stargard's scene was, quote, an, a, a career highlight. Uh, go ahead. Cue it up. Or you, or you don't have it set up. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I will in a hot second. In a hot second. It's just that I was already moving on to the next story that I was going to read. So <laughs> it's interesting that I missed that. Nice! Deceptions. There we go. So yeah, when Toby Hayes took over uh, for creator Tony Gilroy as the director of Andor's first block of episodes, he too was shocked by the bold direction of the show. Uh, besides the uh, oh, besides heavy themes and a more serious tone, it was extremely important to Gilroy that the series has a verisimilitude. Uh, and that meant foregoing the franchise's fondness for prominent Easter eggs, although there are plenty to be had in the show still. Um, Hero even encouraged his collaborators to put away their Star Wars fandom in order to make a show that isn't hyper-aware that it's Star Wars. Been working out for him so far. Anyway, cut to the chase. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Hey, he's lost, lost, a long, lifelong Star Wars fan. I missed that there was some concern about his passion for the, for, uh, for the franchise, but ultimately he made it clear that he's a storyteller. Uh, Tony Gilroy, quote-unquote, was uh, nervous about how much he loves Star Wars, but I always say that I'm a dr dramatist first and a Star Wars fan second. Sure. Um, cutting to the part where we were talking about uh, that one particular scene. Um, oh, um... He says, Hayes says, it is a day he'll never forget. And he quotes, they really went at each other. And there was this incredible tension in the room as they read the scene, Haynes said. Seeing Forrest Whitaker do that was just absolutely magical. And to have him play opposite a heavyweight like Stellan was a career highlight. There you go. Which, that was a damn good scene, admittedly. So, yes. You know. Yes, yes, yes. You have to, you gotta love it if you hadn't seen it. Um, also, hashtag Stila deserved better. If you don't know who Stila is, go back and watch Clone Wars. <laughs> Next up. Next up. So this is the story that Roddy Cat and I were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. It was it was news to us that Andor is actually preparing for season two already. So uh, some news came out that uh, you know from Tony Gilroy that. Um, Three directors have been tapped to direct episode blocks in the second season. Ariel Kleiman, Janice Metz, and Alonso Ruiz Palacios. So some preparation is already underway, but we will not get season two of Andor for quite a while still because they still have to, you know, produce it all. And, uh, you know, even though it's not it's not like super special effects heavy, there's still, you know, the, you know, some still 
some 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 of it still is produced with some SFX. You know, it's not you know the volume as it were. It's not exactly like Mando, but ultimately these things take time, and we're probably not going to get this probably until 2024. Right. This article basically says that the season two starts filming soon, but I feel like there's an article somewhere that suggested they could have uh, been filming one and seasons one and two together. I know there are some shows that have done that, so it could be mixing that up with, with that. But yeah, this is definitely news that this, that was the case. So good. Yep. Uh, next up, though. Excuse me, Star Wars The Acolyte um, reportedly begins filming in the UK. So, according to some site, the Acolyte has begun production at uh, Shinfield Studios, uh, according to a recent uh, interview. Uh, showrunner Leslie Hedlund described the show as a mystery thriller, th- thriller set in a prosperous and seemingly peaceful era. Uh, she also confirmed that the series is set 100 years before the events of The Phantom Menace, uh, and the new series, oh, well, I think we probably talked about who the, who's going to be in it, but just in case, uh, the, the new series is set to star Amandla Stenberg, uh, featuring Lee Jong Jae, uh, Jody Turner Smith, Manny Jensenko, and, um, Charlie Barnett. A couple of those names that I know of. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. I don't think 100 years before puts it directly in um, High Republic territory because I think that's like four or 500 years prior. So, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, I don't think that matters as much at this point. Next up. Next up. So um, there is a Batman spinoff series about Arkham Asylum. So this is the Batman, the Robert Pattinson Batman. Uh, that is uh, being brought to HBO Max, and it has brought on a new writer by the name of Antonio Campos. This is uh, news that Variety is, has learned exclusively from sources. So, but I ain't one of them, so you ain't heard that from me. You heard it from Variety, and uh, sources say that Campos will direct and serve as showrunner slash executive producer on the series should his version of the show ultimately go forward. Matt Reeves, the director of The Batman, has also said that there is a planned Gotham PD series, and it turns out that uh, that PD series is still moving forward. Uh, Again, more gossip. Uh, You know, an individual with knowledge of the situation says that it is also... uh, you know, kind of evolve, uh, developing separately from this Arkham Asylum uh, show. And again, even though it's not in the Matt Smith verse or Matt, whatever his face verse, um, we already Matt had Reeves. a Gotham, Matt Reeves right. verse. We already had a Gotham PC, PD show and it was bonkers and I loved it. Liked it a lot. Um, Stargirl has been canceled at the CW after three seasons. Um, according to Deadline, Stargirl will continue to air new episodes on Wednesdays through December 7th, uh, when it will ultimately conclude. Um, Stargirl stars Brett Bakersinger, who is not related to Kim Basinger, as we, um, uh, as, as I, uh, you might've heard me say previously. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, although I'm not sure where I got that confusion from, um, 
good. And not, and after I said it, after I thought about it, I was like, she's a little too young to be Kim Basinger's daughter. That's what I said. Um, unless her mom's name is Kim, then that would be something. But it is definitely not the actress. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Don't know whether this has anything to do with the, the ongoings, um, the ongoings of uh, Warner Brothers, but probably likely. Plus, I don't know who was watching. Actually, I do know somebody who was watching that show. So, well, I hear decent things about it. I don't know. Next up. So, circling back to Matt Reeves's The Batman uh, universe, the Penguin HBO Max spinoff series has cast Kristen Milioti as a female lead opposite uh, Colin Farrell playing Oswald Cobblepot. So according to Deadline, Miliati will play Sophia Falcone in The Penguin, who is the daughter of John Turturro's Carmine Falcone in The Batman. All right. Sure. Uh, James Gunn on signing to lead, uh, signing on to lead uh, DC. Uh, quote, unquote, Kevin Feige was the first person I told, apparently. Uh, so, sure. Gunn revealed in a tweet from his personal account responding to the now deleted tweet asking if... The Suicide Squad director hated Feige and Marvel now that he was heading to uh, heading the rival comic book company's movies. Uh, his response said the opposite and that Feige was the first person that he told after taking the gig, um, followed by Peacemaker, followed by Peacemaker actor John Cena. Uh, he also said that while DC and Marvel may be competitors, both companies uh, shared a common goal of keeping the theater experience vibrant and alive, aka making buttloads of money. That's it. Next up, Netflix's The Witcher will officially be returning for a fourth season, but it will be doing so without Superman. That is, with a new Geralt of Rivia as Liam Hemsworth will be replacing Henry Cavill after season three. Makes sense. Henry Cavill's got some Superman stuff to do. Well, I think for, I, so I've heard tell there was another reason why he stepped down from the role and that the, he had stipulations on doing the character, but I'm pretty sure it definitely wasn't Superman. So let's be real, but presumably there was another stipulation that, uh, that they, that would, that had him stepping down from the character. Um, so I, I don't know if that part is actually true. I know people have been talking about this, basically saying, well, this show's over. And also, and I know a friend of mine was like, yeah, they got the wrong Hemsworth. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, how are they going to explain this, this channel, the, the changing in, in, in character? I mean, changing, uh, in person. Cause they don't even look, obviously don't, don't look anything like, and Liam is not as built as his brother. Um, I'm sitting here like, ah, eh, he took a, he swallowed a potion, which there is right. a potion in the witch universe that is, that is called swallow. So I don't think that has anything to do with that. Regardless, it doesn't really matter because either people are going to watch it or they won't. All right. I was about to say, uh, let me take this next story so that you can take the Doctor Who story that follows. <laughs> because okay. that one involves some discussion. So sure. uh, this story is the Sandman. You know, a show that Broadcat has not watched, but I have. The Sandman has been renewed for season two at Netflix. That is good news because they did a very good job of adapting and bringing up to date Neil Gaiman's Sandman story. You know, it took a while, but 
you know, they finally got around, Netflix finally got around to announcing the renewal for season two. Yes. After some, after rumors of its demise uh, previously. Yes. So, so yeah, um, Disney reportedly planning to give Doctor Who a quote unquote Hollywood makeover. Again, reportedly is the key word here. Um, I think we talked about the fact that Disney Plus was going to be the new streaming home of Doctor Who. Um, I don't remember. That's news to me. So I I don't remember seeing the article lineup. I can't remember whether we talked about it or not, but I feel like we might have. Um, but I don't remember. Either way, uh, we, according to a report from the Telegraph, Disney is reportedly planning to on giving a Doctor Who a quote-unquote Mahalo makeover when the upcoming 60th anniversary season comes to Disney Plus outside of the, uni- uh, the UK. So it is explained that Disney will have a say in creative decisions for Doctor Who under the terms of a co-production deal made with the BBC over its long-running sci-fi series. However, uh, showrunner Russell T. Davies will retain the overall creative vision for the show. It says also here that Disney is also looking to give the budget a, quote, uh, vast budget beyond the BBC's means, allowing for more cinematic production values and more stars. Like, hoping and guessing that's the more Hollywood um, uh, the, uh, makeover that they're talking about. Uh, but it said that these higher budgets for productions are quote unquote commercially sensitive and have not been revealed. So, um, it is interesting because, so here's the thing, folks, Dr. Who was originally a low budget, uh, a lesser budget, let's just say show for kids. Uh, some would say it may have may have remained that way, even though you know p- people have grown up with it. So, and even with the new Who stuff, there has been a bigger budget than the older shows had, but still, I guess, rel- rel- relatively modest. Um, let's say. So, I'm sure Whovians are like Hollywood makeover is going to kill it. I, I haven't really seen the scuttlebutt about that. I would have to. Um, as some bigger Who fans than me. I admit that I kind of bristled at this. I'm kind of a casual Doctor Who fan, and the, the low-budgetness of it uh, um, has always been a, a fun factor for me because they, there's a certain quality with it that that, um, that it still had that uh, that was enjoyable. And, you know, giving, a, giving things a, a bigger budget doesn't always make things better, let's just say. Um, but what does it say if that, that may or may not be the case here? Um, you know, uh, so we'll see. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. And I'm like, I said, I would have to talk to some, some, some bigger Whovians than, than, than myself about what they think about that. In fact, I probably will do that in the next couple of days because I'm very curious about how would they think. I got, I know I kind of ran up against it uh, for a second, but you know, who's to say next up though. Alrighty, so uh, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power co-showrunners J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay have talked about how season two will quote-unquote respond to the criticism the Prime Video series received during season one. So what they say in an interview with Vanity Fair is that they're still refining the last bits of the script, but they've already written most of season two well before season one came out, but they're taking into account some of the 
uh, critical and audience response that uh, the sh- that the uh, the first season received. And, you know, they basically are taking that into account. They're not going to overcorrect, but there's, to a certain extent, some course correction. Yeah. Which, I don't, I'm still here thinking, do they actually need any quote-unquote course correction? I mean, I think what they what they say in the interview, without me going too deep into it, is that they're going to really harp on the real strengths of the show, right? You know, and some of the things that people responded well to. Yeah, because uh, it's part of that made me think. Okay, wait. So they're saying they're going to try to line it up a little bit more with existing material, or you know, that's that's kind of what how I originally read read it. But yeah, I can right. see that. Um, Universe, Universal Boss wants a female Fast and Furious film. Um, chairwoman of Universal Pictures Donna Langley wants to see an all-woman installment of the Fast and, Future, Fast and Furious film franchise. Uh, Agent 70 and I were, were kind of chatting about this last night, about it would be something akin to, well, it potentially could be something akin to um, uh, the Ocean's 8 movie. Or and or in this case, be like a Hobbs and Shaw, be kind of a side side thing and not necessarily part of the main uh, Fast and Furious canon. Um, but who to say if they ever do this? If it ever happens, who uh, I don't don't know if it ever will. This is just like a hoping a hope. But you would think the chairwoman of Universal Pictures would probably be the one to be able to kind of bring, you know help that get it off the ground if you if they if it's really wanted. So, but yeah, it says here uh, we have so many great and amazing female characters in our franchise, and now there's a new addition of uh, Brie Larson to add to the incredible roster. I would love to see us do a, fa- a female fast. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Next up. All right, next up. So, uh, even though technically the clock has passed on Godzilla Day 2022. Godzilla Day 2022 fell on Thursday, November 3rd, and there's lots to do and lots to see in celebration of the 68th birthday of the King of the Monsters, in celebration of the very first Godzilla film being in theaters on November 3rd, 1954. Shout out to the King of the Monsters. Take a look at all of the cool things that you can do to celebrate. And um, I will also say that uh, Shout TV is doing a cool thing with uh, John Carpenter, where he's giving his thoughts on um, some of his favorite Godzilla movies. HBO Max still has Criterion Collection uh, Godzilla movies uh, from the earlier era. And Hulu actually has some of the later Godzilla movies on its service now as well. So uh, go enjoy some Godzilla in celebration of the King of the Monsters. This article also has lots of like toy news and new product news. So take a look at this in our show notes as it is being uh, shown to you by Rodicat. Yeah. Uh, some of which we actually had talked about in past weeks, actually, um, including that uh, John Carpenter thing, which, you know, Definitely check out that one day the the Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. Uh, it doesn't give a day for that, but I'm assuming that was uh, November the third. Third, right? Yeah. Right. The movie itself is actually available on Hulu for screening right, you know, for viewing right now. Right. So yeah, happy uh, Godzilla Day. Uh, in related news, 
new Godzilla movie coming next year from Japan's Toho. You know, the, the owners of the monster. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's it. The King of the Monsters turned 68 yesterday uh, as of, as of uh, this time in our recording, which is past 12 o'clock uh, midnight. Um, but, yeah, I did not know Godzilla Day was a thing until we talked about the, the, the stuff last week, which was kind of funny. But it makes sense. Who doesn't like Godzilla? Crazy people, probably. Uh, the film will be Toho's first domestic Japanese Godzilla flick since uh, the well-received Shin Godzilla in 2016. Uh, which I don't remember if I've actually seen that one. The new project, really? Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember if I've seen that one or not. I think I actually saw ones. that in the theaters uh-huh. here in the city. Nice. Well, yeah, you you have access to. Well, I don't know. Was that a ri- wide release or was it like a? Yeah, it was okay. a wide release. Okay, wasn't sure. Um, I've seen the others, like the ones around it. Put it that way, but and that has nothing to do with that whole. God, yeah, the whole. Let them nope, fight nope, no, no, no. It's it's a it's it's its <laughs> own creation. So Shin right. Godzilla is definitely uh, a, a different take on the Godzilla uh, mythos. Some would say a more pure, I guess. Mm, no, I don't want to say that, but it's definitely a different take. <laughs> I'm just saying some would say a more pure <laughs> because, yeah, of, because it's coming from the people and not you know Hollywood made. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, the new project remains untitled, with Toho keeping details on the Mega Monsters' return below uh, the water for now. Ha ha. Um, the legendary Japanese studio revealed that the film will be directed by VFX artist-turned-director Takashi Yamazaki, who uh, has filmed everything from Doraemon films installments to sci-fi action films like Space, uh, space Battleship Yamamoto. Um... And Toho dropped a teaser poster for the new uh, movie across its social media channels, including the release date. Which does it? Did it say already? Uh, I don't see a date here. Oh wait. Uh oh. Here we go. Um, it was like March eleventh, twenty twenty three. So not terribly far away. So cool. Next up. Are we getting into Next up, um, we are in anime, anime corner. corner? Yep. We are in anime corner, folks. Shout out to Attack on Titan. The official website for Technoroid Overmind, the television anime portion of Nori Yasu, Agematsu, Ruka, and Elements Garden's Technoroid multimedia project, announced on Saturday, this past Saturday. Uh, additional cast members, a manga adaptation, and the rescheduled January 2023 premiere for the anime. And the website also posted a new visual, which is seen here, as Roddy Cat is showing you now. Yep. Um, Crunchyroll acquires streaming rights for the Vinland Saga and releases new trailer uh, for season two. Uh, let's see. The Apparently, this is a highly acclaimed show and will be simulcasting the who and will be uh, Crunchyroll will be simulcasting the upcoming second season from Japan in January 2023 in more than 200 countries and territories. Uh, based on the manga by uh, Makoto Yukimura, the story follows Thorfinn, who joins the mercenary band of his father's murderer, uh, Askeladd, and who waits for his revenge while Askeladd plots politics and then there's a official synopsis for season two uh in the rest of this article next 
Alrighty, next up, high card anime cast Tomokazu Seki Toshiyuki Toyonaga and Chiharu Sawashiro. Those are three more cast members uh, for the anime of the poker-themed high card multimedia project. Okay. Yeah, because, hey, they've done anime about everything else. Why not poker? I was about to say, it's the anime rounders, apparently. Yeah. Seems Shout right. out to Rounders, which is a great movie. Highly recommended from myself. Indeed. Indeed. Do you want to go back and watch it again? Do it. <laughs> um, Come on. I, if you can't tell who the sucker is at the table, then you are the sucker. <laughs> Some people say uh, Kakiguri um, is, a, is a good anime along those lines. If you, not necessarily Rounders based, but it's like more gambling uh, based anime. Uh, I know some people like it, some people don't, whatever. Um, Spy Family embraces Halloween and Disney and cute new art. Um, oh, snap. I just remember, I did not watch the last episode. <laughs> oh, no! I knew I was forgetting something. And the last uh, the last uh, episode of uh, Chainsaw Man, either. Which I heard it got bonkers. More bonkers. Yes! Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to get on that after, uh, after I get off of here tonight. So, but yeah, uh, anyway, uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see the, um, the tweet from Fendo, uh, which has the, the Forger family dressed up as the Incredibles. Uh, it's, it's cute. Uh, oops, I didn't mean to click that, but nevertheless, you can, you can see the tweet right there. I'm assuming that is a bond that Anya is sitting on, but you can't really see it in this, in this cropped picture. Uh, and the, the, the caption is trick or treat, um, uh, on the thing. It's a good looking art. So, um, I guess, uh, I will say right here, right now, if you go to the clickbait section, there's a couple of other, uh, real life, uh, folks that have done some very interesting and very nice, uh, um, Halloween, uh, costumes, uh, for, for Halloween I only did a couple because I don't think I did see, saw a, a comprehensive list, but um, there's some interesting folks. There was some interesting stuff that was done this year uh, out there. Alicia Keys did Beerus, <laughs> which was kind of funny to see. I'm like, really? I, yeah. I, don't, I can't I remember if I got that, that one. Yeah. Um, Swiss Beats, I think, uh, was, I forgot who he was, but uh, I don't think it was a, it wasn't a, a Dragon Ball It wasn't character. a Dragon Ball character? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, her Beerus was actually not bad. And, um, 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 Megan the Stallion did Miroku from My Hero. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, there was there was some some, some really good ones out there. Um, <laughs> Kerry Washington did uh, Lido Richie from from the Hello. Video. I did see that. that I did see that. Funny. But now now you made me want to take a look for uh, these particular anime inspired ones because guess what, folks? Now I recognize who those characters are. <laughs> Yes, indeed. You know, that's I, you know that that's a play on my observation at you know when I go to comic cons now that I've exp- I've kept expanding my um my range when it comes to uh you know uh genre and pop cultural references uh you know when I went to when I started going to comic cons pre pre my uh binge watch of Game of Thrones I was like why are these people wa- running around in fur coats? Now I understand, and guess what, folks? Now I recognize all these anime. Oh, not all, a, a, a lot. lot. 
of yeah. these anime costumes. Right. There was still a lot of your forge. Um, well, there was your forges, but not from like celebrities. Um, so yeah, the Megan Thee Stallion one is in our sh- is in our clickbait section. Oh, there was also uh, Batwoman star Javicia Leslie uh, did a very nice storm uh, Halloween costume, and that one also is in the um, uh, clickbait section. And matter of fact, folks, um, you know, get a chance look at the show notes. Look at this clickbait section. There's some good stuff in there, um, including. If you want CBR's um, uh, list of top writers the, and artists that they're currently going down in increments, hey, go for it. The, you can see the start of which. Um, there's also just other Dragon Ball shirts. And also, I got to call this one out. Deep Space Nine, underrated. The, 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 the Guardian apparently finally figured that out and, and is uh, talking about it. You should watch Deep Space Nine. It's a great show. Back to the, back to the news, though. Wow, I was about to say, I got to give Megan V. Stallion some credit because this is a character that is very, very new to the anime, but not to the manga, obviously. So she's so, a straight up nerd, though. So she's, she, she, you know, to say what you want. People will say what they want about her. Um, but um, yeah, she's, a, she's a, as some folks say, a straight up weeb. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. So that's, I, you know, I'm, I'm very much impressed because that is a character, like I said, it's a character that is very new to uh, the anime. Like literally just introduced into this season. So it's kind of cool that um, that she would take this on. But if she is a fan of, um, uh, 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 of the manga, you know, if she's up on the manga, she's already well familiar with the character. Yeah. Like I said, she is, she's well noted in her, uh, her love of anime and manga, so... Oh, interesting. I had no idea. I learned something new every day, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, uh, speaking of an, uh, of an anime that I am not familiar with, Bleach. <laughs> that is on my list. I still have not yet started it, although I have started a rewatch of Attack on Titan. And guess what, folks? So much, so much of it makes so much more sense now to me because I definitely sped through my first time in order to catch up so that I could watch the most recent season come out in real time. Bleach, thousand-year blood war animator, has shared a cool Rangiku, Rangiku sketch. So that has that series has kicked off the titular war, or that movie. Is it a movie or a series? Series. The series has kicked off the titular war between the Soul Reapers and the Quincy's, and one of the animators behind the series is hyping up Rangiko Matsumoto's big comeback with some cool new art. Okay. See what the artist, the, the the article writer did there with the the word titular, because that particular character is uh, well endowed. Ah, <laughs> yes, you yeah. If you when you get into this beliefs, you will know that character when they show up. Uh, anyway, Understood. yeah. Uh, so now we're getting to the manga section with Hunter Hunter manga trailer shows Gone and Kilua's Bond. And that's probably word is bond. Um, says here, Hunter Hunter fans were treated to a short, excuse me, Hunter X Hunter fans <laughs> were treated to a short, sweet treat, uh, a manga based trailer reminiscing uh, on the history between Gone and Kalua. Uh, the short trailer premiered on YouTube's Jump Comics channel with more than two, uh, 2,300 people tuning in to view it. But there are a lot of Hunter Hunter fans out there. Um, since his debut, half. Um, since his debut of that, that uh, teaser, uh, as of this writing, 
uh, it's nearly 14,000 views, but it's been a couple of days, so that's most certainly, surely gone up. The trailer features the return of voice actress uh, Megumi Han and Marissa Issei as Gone Kalua, respectively, and showcases memorable scenes from the manga. So, if you're a fan, check it out. Next up. Next up, so the Hunter Hunter manga has finally returned with new chapters after many years of waiting for it to get back to action, and the newest cliffhanger has brought back the Phantom Troop for a new fight after many years. Okay, so folks, if you are familiar with that group of characters, guess what? They are back. Yeah. I I think I watched like one episode of Hunter Hunter. Uh, and I was like, I I come st- back it's this. on my list, folks. Yeah. It is on my list. It's and like, now I seems... see uh, that character from Bleach that Roddy Cad was referring to in the last story that I read. <laughs> yes. Um, Naruto reveals all new look at Hokage Kakashi. Uh, and this is, I guess, Spoilers for the manga. So it says here, uh, if you did not know, Naruto has a new manga in the works, and one of the two spinoffs just went live. Uh, Naruto, the Steam Ninja Scrolls, not to be confused with the movie, which is a great movie, um, has been given a full manga order after first meeting uh, fans as a light novel. Of course, that means chapter one had to live up to expectations, and it did with the... did just that with the Pika at the Kakashi. So Kakashi becomes a Hokage. Interesting. You would have to know who that character is. If you know who that character is, I guess you kind of know why that would be so slightly surprising. Maybe surprising to me. Either way, that's a thing. We'll leave it at that. Next up. All right, next up. So in some uh, merchandise news, you can get uh, a plush version of Frieza's ride that pod that he floats around in for 200 bucks and if you follow the link here you can see he uh and, and if you if you're watching the show you can see uh some images of what this plush replica of Frieza's pod looks like so it's kind of like a you know cool thing to sit in and kind of lounge in when you get home yes and shoot through you know shoot through various uh Dragon Ball Dark the uh, uh, characters sure <laughs> or pretend to i guess or maybe you have to have that power who's to say i don't know your life new elite optimus prime robot is the transformers robot you've always wanted hey folks you remember that um transforming optimus prime that was slightly covered by uh uh well me <laughs> right <Ride a> cat <laughs> um that people were kind of going got got over well there's a new version of that that's slightly cheaper but still very expensive basically made by the same people no so kidding. yeah so let's see uh Ro- robertson robotics has collaborated with hasbro again to create a new elite optimus prime robot uh they tricked it out with advanced programmable capabilities voice activated interactions and state-of-the-art uh, auto converting technology which means they probably miniaturized their uh, techniques and, and streamlined some stuff um <clears throat> it says here that um it's essentially the Transformers tour, according to this article, that we all wanted as a kid, a robot that could, that could move, talk, and convert into a car, in this case, a truck, and drive around all with an easy remote control. You can use the app to control your robot and hear one of the 80 phrases voiced by the legendary Peter Cullen. Comes with uh, Energon Axe, the Iron Blaster, Charging Adapter, two built-in. It's got stuff, folks. Uh, the price tag is a whopping 700 bucks. 699 
which is but, this, right, but sorry, which there's is a but cheaper, there. right, which is still cheaper than the original price, which was uh twelve hundred twelve hundred dollars. Right, what's so, there? Is it smaller? I don't think so. It's just a more up to date version. It's, it's just a more I, current version. I I think they probably they streamlined some stuff, and so they probably got the price down because that mm. the, the first one was like yeah, they, this is the first time doing that. Uh, gotcha. So that is my assumption with this because that's usually how stuff like that kind of goes, but it doesn't necessarily say um, uh, the price on it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. Inter- I like. I'll be curious to see a comparison, just to see the differences. You know, there's one coming. You know, there's one coming. Yeah, it has to be. There has to be somebody with more money than sense, or probably Adam Savage, who's you know, who the man's got sense. But anyway, next up. <clears throat> next up. So Hasbro reveals Dicelings, new toys that transform from dice to Dungeons and Dragons monsters. So soon, D and D players will be able to roll a red dragon or beholder when making an attack on a red dragon or beholder. So uh, this is the first wave of figures set to be released in March 2023. This new Dicelings toy line. So um, the new Dicelings are toys that transform from an oversized 20-sided die to a classic Dungeons & Dragons monster. So the first wave will include four toys, a white owlbear, a black dragon, a red dragon, and a beholder. Notably, three of the four Dicelings are inspired by the D&D Honor Among Thieves movie. However, the beholder figure doesn't feature any D&D Honor Among Thieves branding, suggesting that a beholder won't be in the movie, or at least Hasbro doesn't want to spoil the reveal of a beholder. Okay? But, you know, hey, if you play in D&D for any length of time, you know there's, going, there's a, a beholder end up showing up, showing up somewhere. <clears throat> yeah, regardless. that's pretty much. And I, I, I've forgotten a lot of these monsters. It's been a mm-hmm. while since I played classic D&D, so. Same. Um, I kind of want these though. <laughs> They're basically like because I see the, the I looked at the pre-order and it's like uh, fourteen bucks a piece, and then they have a, a you know a, a bundle for a wave, a wave bundle with all of them with a couple extra. So sure, have at it if you want it. Um, Disney Plus subscribers will get early access to select merchandise in U.S. tests. So it's in a test that is actually launched uh, a couple of days ago prior to this uh, to this show recording uh, and time for the holiday season. Of course, Disney Plus customers in the U.S. will give exclusive get exclusive early access to certain mouse house merchandise on their company's Shop Disney uh, e-commerce site. The toys, collectibles, apparel, and other products will include those from um, Star Wars and the Mandalorian. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Marvel's Black Panther and Doctor Strange, uh, and uh, Frozen Two and Lightyear. So let's see. Do, 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 do. It says here uh, for a limited time, Disney Plus subscribers can visit Disney's uh, shop, Disney Plus, and it gives a link here, which I won't go into, to purchase said items uh, before they go on sale to the p- general public. Uh, in addition, Disney Plus will include a QR code for featured products located on details uh, pages of select movies series and shorts as well as a uh on a new shop tab on disney plus's uh, primary profiles by scanning the qr codes you know what that happens with a qr code so we don't need to say that next up this past saturday at, M- at mcm comic-con london Hasbro revealed some new Star Wars Black series figures, including Scar Trooper, 
Mike, Mara Jade, Dr. Afra, Bastila Sean, and Darth Malak, or Malak. And they are all now available for pre-order um, on the Hasbro Pulse website. I think it's Malik. I'm not sure. Malik? But, uh, regardless. Like Bob Malik? Uh, yes. Kind of. Um, I'm not sure if this is the a first Mara Jade. There may have been a feature, figure before. This is almost definitely a, a different version of a Dr. Aphra. Because I think I have uh, the one version. And Bastilla Shan is from um, Old Republic. So I don't know if there was a figure before that. Figures look good, regardless. Um, yeah, I was about to say, this, uh, the Dr. Afro I think we've gotten before does not have this trench coat. Right. So, actually, it looks like, um, if anybody's seen the show Firefly, it looks like um, uh, Mal. <laughs> so, that's kind of funny. Anyway, <clears throat> next up, um, Marvel Legends Avengers Comic Wave for 2023. This is an update to a story from uh, Marvelous News. That says that uh, it looks like all seven figures in the next wave have been um, revealed. It says the only thing left to be revealed for this wave is the Builder figure. So if you're watching the video version of the program, you can see um, pictures of all seven figures. One of which is uh, notable as uh, Wonder, Wonder Man. Uh, we got a Cap, we got an Iron Man, we got a Molecule Man, we got the Orb for some stupid reason, and uh, we got Yelena Belova in her, I guess some would say classic Black Widow form. So, did we not have a Wonder, I guess we didn't have a Wonder Man before now. Or did we? Oh, yeah, we did. Okay. But I it's cool sure. that we're getting the classic. Yeah, did we get in Red Jumpsuit uh, uh, Wonder Man? So wait, yeah, I mean, a, that's, that, that's, that's you know, when I think classic Wonder Man, that's the costume I think of. Right. <clears throat> yeah, because nobody likes that green and, that green and gaudy, whatever he did for later, uh, wacko. No, the Wonder Man that we've gotten before is the Wonder Man, uh, uh, basically like 90s and beyond, which is like that black kind of tank oh, top. Oh, the looking. Ionic? Right. No, yeah. no, no, but the black tank top looking one. Um, oh, Okay. You know, with the red W. Mm, okay, that oh right from the from the yeah, uh, yeah from the nineties forward, yeah. right from yeah, the nineties yeah. forward. That's what Wonder Man's uniform was. Even when he went Ionic, it was still like a variation of that. Right. So wait, so do we have? I feel like I've actually this before. Do we have a classic beast? Yes. So the classic beast that has come out recently with the lab coat mm -hmm. uh, is. Uh, you know, the lab coat is fabric. So the classic beast that we have, uh, we had two versions. One had like no alternate head and the most recent one does have an alternate head that's not like scowling or screaming. Mm. So we do have a classic beast. Um, we have had two versions of it. Gotcha. So basically, you just need uh, to get them two together and get a red Ronin. And then you could be like, or, or you know, put put a beast on a light post and, and reenact a, a couple of times where they went binge drinking. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, you know, this is the thing that a certain a vintage uh, fan of Avengers has been asking for. And, you know, trust me, when I think of Wonder Man, this is the costume I think of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because when, when he got a big head and became a, a, a star, that's, you know, his, his choices and outfits or their people's choices and outfits for him just got worse. <clears throat> yep. All right, next um, up. Well, I also noticed, I was about to say, uh, there's a, a 
the Iron Man is an extremist version of uh, Iron Man. Oh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that extremist Iron Man armor, this is a basically a redo of an of an Iron Man that was really good, but mm-hmm. the but the sculpt and the size of the character was off. Right? And this is basically a redo to try to like kind of uh correct a deficiency in that particular action figure because that one came out small. Right. Right. So this is basically a redo with like the up-to-date technology, the pinless technology. And, um, you know, anyone that complains that the extremist armor, which was basically the, the Iron Man armor for a long time in the comics, you know, people who, you know, who, who really want to like reenact that, um, Oh my goodness. The artist's name is escaping me. Uh, uh, but basically it's the, it's the scene, it's the pose that they replicated in the MCU, you know, mm-hmm. where he's landing, the, doing the superhero landing. Yeah. This is, as a matter of fact, that's the, the pose they have on this picture. Exactly. Exactly. Adi Granov? Yes. Adi Granov. Yeah. Yes. Adi Granov is the digital artist that I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, anyone who wants to replicate that really wants to get this up, uh, this updated extremist iron man version of the uh you know uh, um marvel legend i believe not that name came off the top of my head so i'm proud of myself hey good job uh marvel and ea have signed a three game deal starting with uh an iron man game which i think we talked about already yes. mm-hmm. details about what's coming after this iron man game are so thin but each game will feature its own original story set in the marvel universe okay I kind of hate the fact that it's EA that has this, but because EA, but then again, I don't know, video game, uh, there's a lot of things going on in video games. So I guess, yeah. Yeah. I want to get my hands on the original, the Sega, the Sega Iron Man game, uh, and actually play it on stream one day. Cause I think that's one of the few that I don't have. Actually, I may, no, maybe I do have that one. Cause that one and the Captain America were not great games, but they're interesting looks into <laughs> what they were at the time but stay tuned for that uh the mcu branches out into podcasts with official black panther series <clears throat> so marvel announces first foray into the world of well this, this is not true um announces first foray into the world of podcasts with six episodes looking at the making of um black panther wakanda forever uh, Proximity Media, uh, co-founded by Black Panther director Ryan Coogler, will collaborate with Marvel Studios and Marvel Entertainment on the project. According to the press release, the sixth issue, Wakanda Forever, the official Black Panther podcast, delves into the story of, excuse me, of the new film, as well as honoring the late uh, Chadwick Boseman's legacy. Tanahisi Coates, an award-winning general, y'all, come on, <laughs> Tanahisi Coates, folks. He wrote Black Panther. He's he's a, uh, he's a novelist. Y- y'all know who it is. Um, serves as a host and writer on the podcast. Uh, Paula Marda, head of audio at Proximity Media, produces the podcast and executive producers along with the company's founder, uh, Cody. Uh, excuse me, Kugler, uh, Zinzi Kugler, which is Ryan Kugler's wife, and Sev uh, Ohanian. So, yes, I kind of bristled on the fact of the fir- first foray into podcasts because we know Marvel has a couple of podcasts that have been running for quite a while <laughs> and some audio series who could might as well say a podcast. So anyway, next up. So in a preview for the relaunch of Invincible Iron Man, we have some covers here for 
the series that's going to be written by Jerry Duggan. And it's going to have art by Juan Frigeri. This is going to re- be released December 14th, 2022. So it is sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of scrolling through the variant, the, the covers. Oh, Sure. We have uh, the main cover by Kale Nagu and a whole host of uh, variants done by name artists. Yes. I like the, the connecting one by Bob Layton. Oh, that's old school. Yes. I love it. Seeing Layton's Iron Man, that's like the, that's the, there's an era of Iron Man for people of a certain vintage that, you know, is classic. You know, we're talking, you know, pre and armor wars. Right. I'm about to say, yes, that would be us. <laughs> He's yeah, talking about us. Pretty much, pretty much. You know, folks, <clears throat> you know, I've talked about this and I've gotten compliments very recently on coming up with this term of being of a certain vintage. So, you know, we, we talk about that and, uh, you know what, it's, it's, it's going to, uh, probably outlast us. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Miles Morales, Spider-Man trailer released by Marvel. So this is a trailer for the, uh, upcoming number one issue, uh, that Cody Ziegler is writing, um, and with artists, uh, Federico Vincini, Vincentini, um, Let's see. The, 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 the book itself comes out on December 7th. Um, it, according to this, the new series will put the fan favorite web slinger, quote unquote, through his greatest trial yet. Uh, and fans can get a glimpse at what Miles will be facing in a new series in the trailer, which is probably uh, attached to, yep, which is attached to this article and also the cover of the new number one, which you can also see. Next up. All righty. So uh, the upcoming Spider-Man Dark Web crossover event is going to debut a twisted new Dr. Octopus who appears to be some sort of literal octopus. Okay, and a new group of villains called the Insidious Six. So Marvel revealed new cover art created by Adam Kubert for Dark Web finale number one, which is written by Zeb Wells and is set to release February 1st, 2023. So uh, pictured in the background behind an upside down chasm slash Ben Riley is a host of demonic monsters, one of which represents notorious Spider-Man villain Otto, Octavi- Otto Octavius slash Dr. Octopus. Okay. One of the covers looks like an homage to an X-Men cover or maybe a Daredevil cover. I'm not... I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Anyway, nice looking stuff. Um, Marvel unsheathed the first look at Blade's Daughter's solo series. So uh, the series that which we talked about previously was announced at uh, New York Comic Con. It's been pinned by Danny Lore and illustrated by Karen S. Darbo. Uh, Bloodline, the daughter of the daughter of Blade, spans five issues. Uh, each with with each entry in the series revealing the origin of uh, Brielle Brooks, a character who first appeared in this year's uh, Free Comic Books Day's uh, Avengers X-Men special. Quote, uh, one of my earliest Marvel memories is watching Blade with my father and being in awe, awe of how intensely cool the Daywalker is, uh, Laura said. Over the years, I've only grown uh, to love Blade even more. Brielle Bloodline Brooks is literally the child of a dual legacy in that way, both Blade's long history and my personal comic uh, legacy. When you guys join us on this journey, I hope you find a part of yourself in Brielle's story. So, 
I've I've liked a lot of uh, Danny Lord stuff. They they've they've done some good stuff. I remember they're doing that shattered glass, shattered glass uh, uh, Transformers thing. That's put some pretty pretty good um, bits in there. I love I like. So yeah, I think this is coming in Jan- February. Um, will will be the start of this book. This has also been a, a long put off book because it's it's, it's started and started a whole number of times in the past few years. So. Looks like it's actually finally coming out. Next up. Right. This story is about a book that I talked about this week that I reviewed very quickly. Yeah. Batman and Joker are teaming up uh, to do uh, to basically save Harley. Harley. And, uh, you know, I talked about this earlier, so we can move on to the next story. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to take that one out. Uh, DC reimagines Green Arrow and Black Canary's first meeting. Uh, this is from, I guess, a quote unquote spoiler from Dark Knights of Steel. Uh, which came out this week or last week? One or two? Uh, I think it's this week, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, apparently in this uh, Elsewhere story, they, they melt uh, under in a different way than they did in the main comics. So we don't necessarily need to go into that. But if you're, if you're up on that uh, book or interested in it, you can check it out yourself. Next up. So Webtoon has terminated the its creator rewards program and that is putting many creators who are all, who are already finding it challenging to earn a fair wage in the industry they're putting them in a financial crisis a notice was sent by webtoon notifying its canvas creators that the creator rewards uh, program will end in January 2023 a tipping system will replace the program but the platform did not divulge details as to when they would implement the system or what it would look like leaving many creators in a state of financial limbo the announcement was met with anger and frustration by many creators whose income largely comes from the program that is too bad yeah you kind of hate when that when that stuff like that happens and fortunately yep. it happens a good bit um next story is a preview from uh, actually the the Transformer Shattered Glass uh, number two, number th- uh, two, number three that I mentioned uh, previously, uh, written by Danny Lore. I didn't get a chance to read this, but if you are interested in that, there's a preview, some preview pages in this article uh, for that book. It's basically uh, Transformers Mirror Universe. The, the Autobots won and their despots, and the uh, and the uh, the Decepticons are the the rebels in, in this case. Check that out if you're interested. Next up. All right. Last but not least, in terms of our story, uh, in terms of our news, actually, mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves' a story will start in a comic. So IDW Publishing has announced that a new Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves prequel comic ahead will come ahead of the release of the upcoming Paramount Pictures film. So um, it's going to be called The Feast. It's going to be subtitled The Feast of the Moon. And it's a prequel from writers Jeremy Lambert and Ellen uh, Boehner and artists Eduardo Ferragato and Guillermo Sana. So this is going to be released one month before Paramount Pictures' upcoming Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves live action film. The Feast of the Moon introduces readers to characters featured in the movie as they set off on a mission to stand against a dictatorial ruler – so that is going to come out, scrolling, 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 February 2023 from IDW Publishing. The movie itself is going to be released on March 3rd, 2023. And that's it, folks. Um, can we get one more ad read? 
So before the last ad read, I wanted to talk about, remember, folks, earlier in the episode, I stepped away to grab something. Oh. And I wanted to show it to everyone because I posted about this in the social medias, but I wanted to uh, uh, reveal that I had finally gotten around to it. It's something we talked about on the show. I did, in fact, get a replacement for my New York Public Library card. I got Ooh. Spider-Man New York Public Library card, and it is pretty awesome. Nice. It is very cool. Got a lot of compliments on it after posting it on social media. Unfortunately, Uh-oh. the library system here in New York City is a little convoluted, and some uh, uh, a fan of the show, former guest of the show, author Crystal Velasquez, unfortunately found out and was reminded of how wacky the public library system here is in New York City. Two boroughs specifically of the five have their own respective library systems, Queens and Brooklyn, my home borough. And um, interestingly enough, the Queens Library, the literal home of Peter Parker, does not have this. Rather, New York, the New York Public Library has it, the New York Public Library branches encompass Manhattan and the boroughs of the Bronx and Shaolin, Staten Island. So uh, <laughs> it's unfortunate that Queens does not have it. Um, but it's, you know, like I said, it's a reminder that the library system here in New York City is a little on the odd side. We don't have one unified system. Uh, two of the five boroughs have their own. So, um, you know, I grew up as a, as a, as, as a card carrying member of the Brooklyn public library system. And when I got to high school, I discovered, you know, as, you know, commuting into Manhattan that I needed a separate library card to deal with, uh, Manhattan material materials to borrow, you know, books and whatnot at uh, Manhattan library. So I had to apply for one. Luckily you can, you know, you don't have to be a Manhattan resident or a resident of the Bronx or, 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 or Shaolin to get a New York public library card. You can be just a, 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 a resident of the five boroughs. Right. So I'm very glad to have a New York public library card and I've replaced my old one, which was like, you know, an update of the, uh, the one previous, it was actually already a new version um, that had the, uh, the classic uh, lions that are in front of the, uh, the main branch of the public library. Uh, and I replaced that with this new Spider-Man limited edition card. So I'm very happy to have this. Nice. I'm slightly jelly. <laughs> but also, yeah, I do remember you mentioning uh, off uh, off mic about uh, the, the the craziness with the, the the library system there. That's that's kind of bad. Also, shout out to Christopher Velasquez because I also did her. Uh, I saw her um, accidental cosplay or her Halloween costume. I guess. Yes. I don't know which one was which. Yes, but, yeah. Pulp Fiction. Yes. That's pretty cool. Um, yep, pretty much, pretty much. All right. Our last ad read of the night. You know what we read when it's late and we're tired. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or early Christmas presents. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the, that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. 
All right, folks, and that is the end of this here show as I okay, test something out on the fly. Um, thank you, each and every one of you all for coming out again next week. Um, movie protocol. So we will keep you abreast of when we record, but it will probably be on that Friday night. Right. Um, it will not be next Thursday. Right. But the the auto version will probably come out the, the same time it normally does, so which would right. usually like a, a day or two later, um, depending on things. So with that, folks, uh, I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PC underscore Dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Nerd on Twitter. Uh, um, and uh, yeah. Pop culture, popculturenetwork.com and, and all those umbrella sites they're in. And uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account. Um, V-Click Nation on Twitter. That's uh, T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, VClickNation.com. But also, and most, in, most importantly, uh, comicbook.com, where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, Timothy Adams. Go look for him there. Go read his stuff. Get that man some clicks. He actually, we're not just saying that just because he, he he's uh, with us, but he actually does some good writing also. Yes. So, um, he's not only the founder, but he's also yeah. Anyway, uh, that being said, folks, uh, you can find us um, also on the Coles Leather Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us on your podcast for place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And normally, like I said, we will be recording every Thursday night, 9.30ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and simultaneously on twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. So, yeah. Uh, thanks to the, the excuse me the the new follower on the Twitch page. We only have uh, what like twenty more followers to go before we can actually start uploading some stuff. So that's cool. Um, and hopefully we'll be getting some other side uh, um, um, side uh, streams going. And uh, there's definitely some video games I could be uh, doing <laughs> that is comic book related. So stay tuned for some of that to happen, including one or two that are actually going to be coming out pretty soon. So with that, folks, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Wakanda forever! 